Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, uh, music ran out on us there. I uh, hope you're enjoying uh, our, our welcome to the show. We just got started. It is a Monday afternoon, and we are live on Hoopsville here this afternoon. We're going to be live on this show for the next several uh, days, or shows, we should say, uh, simply because we have scheduling conflicts most of the rest of the way. So uh, today, next Thursday, next Monday, we'll be on the air at 1 o'clock. The following Thursday will be our marathon show, Knock on Wood. Then we'll be on the air at 1 o'clock on the 7th of February as well. Um, at least that's how it all looks like at this point. Um, so I hope you enjoy afternoon shows. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of them. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live streaming the show today. Uh, we'll try and double check, uh, where you might be watching us from because, uh, our system isn't always foolproof there. Uh, we're also, um... On YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Certainly chatting with you there if you happen to be tuned in. Got uh, lots to cover today. So we're going to slam into a show a bit in the middle of this afternoon. First and foremost, let's talk about our guests. We'll start on the women's basketball side. We'll go into the SLIAC into the Region 8. Because again, a reminder, on uh, Monday shows, we talked to Region 1, 2 combined. Then Region 4, Region 6, and Region 8. Um, and... If you're curious, Thursday shows are the odd shows. That's where we talk to Region 3, Region 5, Region 7, Region 9, 10 combined. 9, 10 is the combined uh, region. Forgive my eyes here uh, for those of you watching. Uh, contacts in and they're not agreeing with me today. Um, if you hear any noise in the background, it's our puppy Tucker who's decided to, uh, well, he is going to join us on these day shows because uh, we just can't trust him by himself just yet. Uh, so there you go. Um, so let's talk about women's basketball. Uh, Jordan Olofsson from Webster Women's Basketball join us, talk about his uh, teams having breakout season, including uh, doing very well in the Slyak Conference. We'll talk to him about that. Then number nine ranked as of now, Meg Barber's NYU team will be on the show in women's basketball. Um, what's interesting about uh, the rank, again, we're coming out before the new top 25 is coming out, so that ranking could change. Then we'll switch to men's basketball. Salve Regina having a huge season, uh, despite their conference mates getting a little bit of attention um, of late. But we'll talk to Salve Regina men's basketball head coach, Sean Foster. They're having a tremendously good season. And then for number 16, Maryville, Raul uh, Placeras will join us. Talk about the Scots, especially coming off of the D3Hoops.com Classic a few weeks back. They're dominating the USA South right now. We'll talk to them if that can continue. And whatnot. And of course, interact with you. We'll talk about the top 25 coming up. Ryan Scott and Mike Raniak will join us. And our puppy is uh, is making noise. We'll deal with that during the commercial break. Game a treat. Apparently, he didn't like. But uh, Ryan Scott, Mike Raniak will join us ahead of the new top 25. So a little bit of a different twist on how we've been doing it this season. And then most importantly, uh, we'll talk about the NCAA convention. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here now, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Um also, quick note, Fred Richter at DeSales get, got win number 600. Congratulations to him on that in women's basketball. Uh, so NCAA, a couple quick notes. We can certainly talk about this more later. We reacted to it a bit on Saturday. Um, but a couple things. First off, the redshirting um, legislation that was in place was tabled, referred, however you want to describe it, until a future date. They're going to revisit that while they look at the new constitution because the new constitution passed the NCAA overwhelmingly, 80%. Two-thirds needed it, uh, and it passed, as we mentioned on Thursday's show. Um, 
because of that, they're going to look back at the redshirting conversation. I didn't really love, listen, in my opinion, redshirting doesn't have a place in Division Three. You have 10 semesters or five years to complete your four years of eligibility. If for some reason you, you're deciding you don't, you can't play or you don't need to play because of academics, then I don't understand why we would allow them to, that individual to then practice the full season with a team as well. It just seems counteractive to Division Three. But we'll see how those conversations take place as the new constitutional conversations take place. Uh, the AQ was lowered from seven until on t- two six. I don't think it's going to impact basketball that much. There's certainly talk about splitting divisions. I think what people need to consider, especially for conferences, is the simple fact that um, conferences are not necessarily in the mood to be in a lot of different, or I should say schools are not in the mood to be in a lot of different conferences. Uh, we, we see that a lot in when um, schools come together to form a conference to get all their sports together. There's, there's need for affiliation. There absolutely is. Washington Lee needs an affiliation for, for wrestling um, and other, uh, well, I don't know if they need it, but that's how they feel. And so for a lot of sports, that makes sense. You know, that's why we get the single sport conferences, especially in men's volleyball, a little bit in women's lacrosse. We've seen it, of course, in ice hockey. You need those. But if a if a school can come together, pay one set of dues, have one set of meetings with their group in a conference, they're going to do so. So I don't see a lot of splitting taking place for the sake of splitting. Um, but there will be some that will take place, and we'll certainly be hearing about that in the uh, weeks ahead, I'm sure, in the years ahead as well. It's not a quick solution. And Tucker, you're not leaving, bud. It's just our, our, our puppy Tucker in the background making the studio noisy. He'll figure out the message eventually here that we're in here for a little bit. Um, back to the convention again. The AQ changes. We'll see how the ramifications of that will play out. Uh, that also changed for single sport colleges or single sport conferences. Um, those were the big ones that were on tap. Uh, another big one, at least for the Division One school or programs in Division Three schools. Now they all can treat Division One the same. Really, there had only been allowances for schools like Johns Hopkins to treat D1 program as a D1 program. Uh, so there were some limitations on others who could do that. Uh, one example, because it's made some headlines, is Union Ice Hockey programs. Well, now they can treat uh, their programs financially the same way. So there's scholarships that can go out there in D1 uh, ice hockey, even though you're at a D3 school. That, that will have some impact of those sports for sure. Um, but it will not have an impact on Division Three because the budgets have to be separate. And as one person asked me, um, it can't impact a student athlete. I believe the rule is if you come in as a Division One student athlete to one of those institutions and are getting a scholarship at to play that sport at that Division One level, you cannot play a Division Three sport. Um, now, the reverse can happen if you are a Division Three student athlete and you want to play a Division One sport, and you will not um, uh, take a scholarship on that D one program. And essentially, you're a walk on. That is allowed, and we've seen that in other places. Um, so anyway, just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Uh, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well, and some other places. Certainly would love to get your attention and uh, or your, your questions. We'll certainly try and get them answered as best as we can. Uh, looks like we might have a little bit of a delay in our audio, or our weird audio Hiccup, we'll try and fix that in the coming up break as well. So lots to cover, lots to talk about uh, in Division Three because there's always lots to talk about in Division Three. But we hope you'll enjoy this show. Again, we're on the air for the next few Mondays um, and Thursdays. So really, the next 
normal 7 p.m. show that we will air um, here on Hoopsville is February 14th, I believe. Because again, this uh, I've got conflicts. For example, I need to be at Goucher College tonight. I need to be at McDaniel on Thursday. I need to be at McDaniel the next Monday. We then have the marathon show at least scheduled. So that will, um, you know, we'll be on the evening, but we'll have been on for many hours prior. Then on February 7th, Navy needs me in attendance. And then February 10th, Major League Baseball needs me in attendance somewhere. So uh, they all pay the bills. And as a result, we're just moving the show around to compensate. Um, again, if you got questions for us, please let us know. If you have questions for our guests, you're welcome to interact with us as well. We'll do our best to answer those questions and certainly get there, get them answered if they all, if they all can be. Um, and if you got guest ideas for future shows, please let us know. Don't hesitate to do that as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get things going. We're going to start with Webster women's basketball. Jordan Olofsson will join us to talk about his Slyak leading squad and just how good they are um, this season and maybe flying way under the radar because last top 25, they weren't getting any votes whatsoever. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com. Of course, we come from the WBCA NABC studios, which uh, are, well, more NABC than WBCA, but we still love giving the WBCA a little bit of of love. Um, If you uh, got questions, please let us know. Our guests, of course, come on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hill hotline. And we'll look forward to talking about Blue Frame here in a bit. If you happen to be watching our show on the big screen, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, you might be watching on Amazon Prime. Maybe you're watching it, or Amazon TV, I should say. Maybe Apple TV or Roku TV or Android TV. Whatever the case may be, we hope uh, it is worth seeing us on the big screen. If you're watching us from your office, by the way, let us know as well. A little bit of a twist this year, being that you can watch us in your offices or being on a day show. So please let us know. We'd, we'd love to know that that it's working out for you. Uh, as well. Uh, So there you go. We'll take a break. When we come back, plenty more Hoopsville, and we hope to hear from you as well. Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday, Thursday, Monday, Monday, Thursday. Man, it all blurs together. It's a Monday. I know that for sure now. Um, we are broadcasting to you live from the NABC studios. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen as well. Uh, I might change the format of that someday as we continue to tweak with the look of the show. Um, so talking, um, teams that are catching my attention that usually about this time of year, I'm always looking around for teams that are maybe flying under the radar, uh, catching my attention in some capacity or another, uh, playing well for one way or another, whatever the case may be, there's always good reasons to, to get somebody on the show. And when I looked at the Webster women's basketball team, it jumped out at me that, oh, they're undefeated. Hmm. They're playing pretty well. And I don't see a lot of love in the top 25. Maybe there's a reason for that. That doesn't matter. More importantly, who is this Gorlocks team? So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk more about it, it's their head coach. It is Jordan Olofsson. And uh, coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. Second of all, congrats on the start to the season. I hey, appreciate that. This is awesome. Yeah, we, we've got a great group and, and pretty pretty proud of what our program's been about. And we appreciate the time. Absolutely. Um, again, 13-0. Not too shabby. We got a few games in there that haven't been played. We'll we'll cross that bridge in a moment. But I mean, listen, thirteen and zero is stands out because I can't think of the last time you guys started this well or are playing this well. Maybe I'm mistaken, but you know, it's it's hard to go thirteen and zero, especially in conference when you're four and zero and teams know you. How how's it gone so far from your perspective? Yeah, I think uh, you know it's been good. It's been tough. It's been challenging. Uh, I think this group's been. It, pretty battle tested over the last few years. Um, you know, I, I think it's just, it's just, uh, you know, the, the anxiety of last year and our kids are, are pretty focused on, Hey, we get a play today. Um, and they kind of just take it with waves and understand what might or has happened to us. And, um, you know, we, we don't talk about anything else besides getting better every day. And, um, this is a, something that's been bought in from our seniors to our freshmen now. And, um, just, just pretty, encouraged where we are right now yeah i mean you got to be encouraged when you're undefeated right uh season started off uh with wins at anderson and then you played at home against dominican and lake forest got big wins over them that's the other thing that jumps out at me is you don't have a lot of close games um i'm actually scanning through to find a close game i see a 12 point game uh that you played just recently against Westminster. that might oh no there was an eight point uh, no that's a 12 point game too against university of health sciences and pharmacy um 
you don't have a lot of close games. Augustana may have given you your best run. Is this offense or defense driven? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I mean, you know, when we've been here, I think this is, you know, we've been here 13, 14 years and, you know, our, our, our foundation has always been defense um, pressure. We, we want to force turnovers. Um, we want to get steals. Um, so what we do now, we couldn't do. So our alums are always asking coach, why can't we press the way we, you know, 13 years ago, we just didn't have the rotation that the kids to do it, you know, sure. we five and then, Hey, we got to figure out how to do, but you know, I think our pace of play is, is, is kind of something that we really um, stress and practice. Um, you know, from our transition stuff to whatnot. So I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, our defense creates a lot of offense, but, you know, we're, we're pretty skilled on the offensive side. So I, I want to say balance, but probably lend a little bit more to the defensive side. Um, looking at the team in terms of, of youth or senior leadership, you have a lot of youth, not surprisingly, with, with COVID and, and classes and stuff and players who stay on. But you got a fair fair amount fair amount of senior leadership. You've got four seniors listed on the roster, and a couple of juniors. So you kind of have a, a nice balance here. But where is where is it showing the most? Is it showing in the senior leadership, or is it showing in the gumption of of younger players? Yeah, right. I I think um, from a production standpoint, our seniors we got you know we've got five seniors, um, four that we start, um, and I think that. You know, from from what ha, uh, ha, uh, Hannah and Addie and, and Freeman and, and Nay do for us, um, you know, Freeman's a, a big time defensive player for us. Addie's defensive and, and kind of an offensive monster for us. And Hannah's really grown over the last couple of years. And Nay is just I, I, to me is one of the most talented, skilled players in the country that uh, no matter what, we're fortunate to have her. So we get it from that. But then we get it from our youth. Um, you know, Julie Bodnistel is a, a junior. Jordan Grimes is a sophomore. Um, we got a couple freshmen that step in. So I want to say probably 60, 40 seniors, but you know, we're getting a lot of stuff from our, our youth too, which is, which is very, very great to see. Um, you also have the all name team. You've got more uh, names to look at here that make you pause and figure out how to pronounce them. Uh, yeah. But you have Addison and Naomi and Julie and Katie. They're kind of leading the way in scoring. Well, along with Bethany. The first three double figures. I mean, Addison, 17 and a half points a game. Naomi, 12 and a half points a game. Uh, Addison, not that far from a double double, by the way. Uh, Julie at 11 and a half points a game. And Katie and Bethany bringing in seven and a half plus. So obviously that's good. And that's that mix you were talking about of, of you know, the first three being seniors, the second two being sophomores. Uh, actually, Julie's a junior. Yeah. Um, so you've got a nice balance there. Have you, though, had to rely more? from time to time on that bench than, than those five? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's been some games where we've either gotten foul trouble or matchups and, you know, and I, I, I'll tell you, Illinois college was one of the games that we played and uh, you know, Illinois college is physical and whatnot. And, um, and it was our, our, our energy, our wave that we got from a second group that just kind of changed it. So that's, that's the nice thing is, you know, I feel like we've got about eight or nine kids that could start, uh, which is always a great problem to have for coaches. Um, and, you know, there are games where our, you know, we, we kind of know what our, our starting group's going to do and bring to the table. And uh, when we get it from the second group, we're, we're even better. And that's anybody. But uh, I just feel like we're, we're pretty special in that area. You know, listen, if you look at the last few years, this team has certainly shown up. You know, 19 wins in the 17 year, 2017, 2011 during the COVID year last year. But for the most part, you've also taken your lumps in the SLIAC. And, and I think that's what jumps out at me at this point. Um, granted 16 and two in the 2020 season 
an eight and one last year in the COVID year. And I'm now seeing, you know, four and oh, but you're dominating so far. And we'll talk more about games you'll have to make up. But what I'm seeing is it looks like you've got a program that's not only good overall, but you're good to rise above kind of the the muck, as it were, in the slack, in the sense that it, it can be a, a slugfest uh, most yeah. nights in the slack. And it seems like you're rising above that. Is that fair to say or is it too early to say? Uh, probably too early to say. I mean, I, I think, you know, one thing that I want and I've always stressed our our, our league is we got to make our league better um, and everybody's got to do it. And I, and I feel like when we got here, it was only, you know, a, a couple teams and then there was, okay, you, you know, you, you might show up and win. And now, and I feel like, you know, just like the other night, there, you know, I, there was a couple where you kind of looked at the score and said, wow, how did that happen? I just feel like it's more competitive now. We still got a ways to go, but definitely feel like probably the last six or seven years, um, you know, went from four to five, six teams where it's gotten deeper. And, um, but for sure, I, I think it's too early to tell, um, you know, I think we've caught a couple teams coming out of quarantine. Uh, so that's always an advantage for a team and um, knock on wood. We've been, we've been pretty fortunate this year and, and last year. So uh, way too early to tell, but you know, it's uh, I'd rather be here than other places uh, own four or whatnot. So looking at the schedule, you have five games have been canceled or postponed. Um, even though they're on their schedules canceled, some of those are already being made up. For example, you'll make up against Greenville coming up here on Thursday in a game that was originally scheduled back on the 8th. Um, but we're talking with a little less pressure on you today because you're supposed to be heading off to Spalding, and that game's been called off. You've had five games called off. I don't know if you can get them all made up. A couple of them are non-conference, and in, in uh, Monmouth, for example, um, and Mississippi University of Women, though, technically – Slyak now, but it was a non-conference game for you guys. Yep. First off, do you think you can make up all these games that you're missing, or are some of these just off and never going to make make up? I mean, we're going to try. I mean, I, I think for the for the sake of our kids, our seniors, we're going to try. I mean, the, the two non-conference games are probably going to be really tough. Um, you know, our league went from a 14 conference tournament to a six to now an eight. So in a way, we make up a, one there. Um, you know, the conference stuff. Our league has a rule where you get to make up two games. Um, so right now, all the conference games will be made up. Uh, we might be playing about eight games in 11 days or whatnot, but uh, that's what we do it for, right? We, we want our kids to play and, um, you know, and that's all we can do. So, yeah, I, we're going to try all we can to, to make them up besides the non-conference. Game. Well, and then on top of that, if you're not able to make them up, I assume worrying about um, SOS and a uh, opponent records and uh, common opponents and all that isn't as big a concern because for the most part, the Slack's been a one bid league or yeah. do you need those games? Cause you feel like maybe this is that occasion that you can secure in that large if needed. I, I mean, I, I hope I'm, I'm always optimistic when it comes down to that. Um, you know, we can only control, you know, outside of our conference, we, we can't control who we're playing in conference and what that looks like. And uh, you know, that's why we're, we're trying to push for the league to get better and, you know, we were hoping for a couple of these games that we lost that was going to help us and whatnot. But, you know, uh, I, I hope I hope we can have a great year. And if, if things don't work out, that we could we could get it out large. I mean, I, I'm proud to say that our, our program has kind of done that. But, you know, we'll, we'll stay the course and, and do what we do. You had a, a, a well, the one game in mid-December with Mississippi University for women called off. And then the other three have been in January and now a fifth one here in January. How hard is it to prepare for games and kind of have those games called off or, or to some degree, is it just what kind of par for the course considering we're at least playing? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, last year we were we were so good. We got to like the la- one of the last games of the year and we're literally in the hotel 1030 at night uh, and find out that we can't play the next day. Uh, and we've talked about it with this group. I think this this group has really done a pretty good job. And, you know, we talk to them every day like, hey, listen, we get to play today. Um, you know, especially when we get to shoot around, we're like, hey, all right, it's game time. Uh, let's take advantage of the opportunities. Let's not worry. Uh, you know, you teams sometimes go through the year where you're like, oh, well, we still got 12 games to go. We're guaranteed today. So we've kind of tried to keep us kind of laser focused in, in that. And um, But, yeah, it's been a challenge. You know, I FaceTime all of our kids when it happens. So they know when they get a FaceTime from me that it's bad news. <laughs> you um, might want to stop that habit. <laughs> I know, I know. So um, yesterday we, we did it with like nine players on the same FaceTime. So they're like, what, what, what's the bad news? So um, one of these days I just got a FaceTime. I'm like, I just wanted to see you guys. I just wanted to <laughs> Exactly. Hi. Change um, it up on them. I know. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's been a challenge, but I, I think they understand the, the landscape of what's going on in our country and whatnot. Uh, again, you're able to play. So now you're not playing Spalding today. You're not heading the road, but you'll travel to Greenville on Thursday, followed by Fontbonne on Saturday and followed by Greenville, uh, on Wednesday. So two of the next three against the same opponent with Fontbonne sandwiched in the middle. Uh, you, I would say it's conference opponents to some degree. You don't have to prepare the older students on, on who those are, but the younger students certainly need to know. What do you expect from this, this next bit of run in the slack? And what do you expect from the conference as a whole? Uh, I, I think the league's going to be competitive. Um, you know, I, I feel like we, we've got a, a pretty dangerous road coming up where, and you know how it is, you play at home one game, you play in the road, it's way different. So, um, you know, we're, we're going into uh, to Greenville, who always plays well, who's, who's well coached and, uh, you know, followed up with, um, which is crazy. We're still in January. We're talking about senior night on Saturday uh, because we don't have any more Saturday home games. Oh, fascinating. Um, so that's uh, that'll be an interesting one, and then you know, and then we're getting ready to turn around and play Greenville again. Um, so, and then we kind of go with them at Westminster, pop on Eureka. So we've got a really challenging five, six games in a row where it's going to be close and have one day prep and whatnot. So, um, you know, we'll we'll kind of see what we're made of, and you know, I think our kids are up to the challenge. But you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be a little nerve wracking. What do you tell your team in the locker room um, ahead of? it's conference games in general, but having such a great season in your hand right now, what, what's the message to the team, whether it's practice or, or a game that you're trying to get them ready for the next one? Uh, you know, I, I am, if our kids come in and say, coach, what do we, what time's practice Friday? I tell them we practice at three 30 today. I've always been that way where we are as, 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 as organized and detailed as you get in terms of scheduling. But I am let's, we have today, we have today's practice. Or, you know, hey, we're new, ready to do shell. Let's let's lock in the shell. I don't look down the road. I don't focus on anything else besides what we got at hand and practice a scout, a, a shoot around or whatever it is. So that's the message. Um, you know, control the controllables. We can't control if we lose a game. and But we control what we do in practice and our prep. So that's, that's our message every day. A bit of a loaded question. You're undefeated, not receiving much attention in the D3 Hoops Top 25, rightly or wrongly. I don't vote in that poll. Um, do you think you should, or do you understand maybe why you're not? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I, for, for, uh, for our program's sake and our kids, we definitely love to, to get ranked and, and show that, you know, what we're doing is, is being noticed, but you know, we are who we are. We know what we do. We know what we're, what we've done. We know what we can do. And, 
you know, um, being ranked isn't going to change where we, our goals are our long-term goals for the season. So if we stay on rank, we just got to keep proving people. And if we get ranked, we still got to prove people. So, um, you know, I think this group is understands of it's nice. It's cool. It's shiny, but it doesn't guarantee you anything else besides the work that we got to put into it. So Sure. And well, coach, I really appreciate the time you gave us. Certainly an interesting uh, perspective on a team that I don't think we we know a lot about. Certainly a conference that we always are intrigued by. Uh, And well, I I mean, I appreciate the time. Hey, really, especially considering originally when we booked this, I wasn't paying attention and didn't see the Spalding schedule uh game but it and worked I out i called you the game for us to make this work or dave yeah. this is great that you moved our small thing game so. yeah I, I made some calls just trying to make some arrangements <laughs> say listen i gotta talk to coach do you mind uh okay. we always give a the guest the final word many final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in man i i just you know i i think we've we've been able to build something pretty special here at webster and and i hope people that don't know much about us you know check out our 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 game see what we do see what we're about but um you know become a big fan of Webster because we are, and, and our kids deserve a, a lot of respect and, and all that. We appreciate this. So um, we appreciate the time, Dave. Well, also appreciate getting a uh, fun mascots on the air. Gorlocks. I mean, come on, that's just outstanding. Hey, take care of yourself. Well, Good luck. Take, uh, enjoy the, the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Jordan Olison joining us on the blue frame technology Hoopsville hotline. I forgot to look up, uh, uh, Webster there in our in our little trusty book here about mascots, about the Gorlocks. By the way, no C in Gorlocks. Uh, I kept making that mistake while spelling things. We'll look them up later. Uh, when we come back, we'll jump on to a team that is in the top 10. NYU, Violets, Meg's uh, women's basketball, Meg Barber will join us. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoops at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on YouTube Live as a simulcast, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. We'll check to see if any of you ask questions in there in just a moment. Uh, first and foremost, I want to make note that uh, the puppy finally gave up. He's no longer trying to get out of the studio. He's laid down and realized that for the next couple hours, we're here. So no more, no more interruptions, Tucker. Um, about seven years ago, I was reminded on Facebook, I was in New York City at this time, watching what I thought was the last games, or not the last games, uh, watching the last season at the Kohl Center for NYU. There was a slight delay in those plans as the Kohl Center, I don't think, got torn down for another 18 months or so. Um, and they're close to getting back into an, their own place. Close. I know that they've moved offices in, I don't think they're ready to play basketball as of yet, but it's progress in New York City. Progress is something to say. Well, for the women's basketball program, I'm sure they'd love to have their own home eventually, but they're doing pretty well this season. 14-0 overall, 5-0 in conference play. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of waiting to see how the team would do once they hit conference play, and the team has kind of said, well, here we are. Uh, we're doing pretty well. Their last weekend featured games against WashU and Chicago on the road. Certainly tough. Came away with victories in both. Of course, that also includes Brandeis Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline, it's the head coach of the women's program, the Violets. It's Meg Barber joining us. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations. Having a tremendous se season. you, you got to be pretty thrilled. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. I apologize for my coaching voice. Uh, <laughs> We're we're the Friday Sunday schedule, so you're catching me on a Monday. It's my my tough day, but normally your day of rest for your voice, as it were, if you will. Yeah, uh, as you said earlier, you're just trying to help the officials. I understand entirely. Um, I know a lot of coaches who try and do that. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen again, fourteen and zero. I think a lot of people looked at the preseason schedule. Some started to vote for you. I know I did. I went, okay, look, looks good, looks good. Nothing against your program, but I've seen this before. I want to see what happens when we get to conference play. Okay, we're five games in. Looks really good. Uh, what's what's the difference with the squad this year than maybe a prototypical year that would have given someone like me pause? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, the behind the scenes is this is definitely, I would say, the most competitive and well-rounded team we've had since I've been here, although it's only been three seasons. Um yeah. But unlike two years ago, we really relied on Janine Cuffey to carry the bulk of what we were trying to do. You know, we have six players, any any of whom could start, any of whom could probably drop 20 points um, in a given night. And I think non-conference, you know, uh, we were playing those players about 19, 20 minutes a game. So, you know, they didn't they haven't put up huge statistical numbers yet. Um, we started to get into UA play and started to rely on them a little bit, you know, more heavily with Jenny Walker. I, I think she's an elite, you know, back to the basket player, uh, Erica Miller shooting the three. We've had really steady guard play. Um, you know, Natalie Bruns is coming into her own as a stretch four. And, you know, all of those players, all of our top six, I think are shooting like 45% or higher from the field. So, you know, we're taking really great shots. Um, we kind of come at you relentlessly for 40 minutes. And so, you know, I think we're, I think the biggest thing is we're a tough out in the fourth quarter. So, you know, for UAA play, we just got off a four day road trip, you know, to be able to sustain that at Chicago last night was a really big test for us. And, you know, I was just happy that we were able to sort of pass the test this early 
in conference play. And, you know, certainly it doesn't get any easier this weekend going up to Rochester Thursday, playing Friday, flying to Atlanta uh, Saturday and trying to finish off with Emory on Sunday. Yeah, I figured we'd get you in before things got too brutal Uh, (laughs) because who knows what's going to happen down the road. But listen, this team off to the best start since 2014-15 when the team went 15-0. and So you're you're knocking on the door of breaking through that one. You've already broken through the following season, 15-16, when the team started 13-0. So you're already in an upper echelon with this program, the program that you certainly know know well. But this team hasn't won a, a, a UAA title since 2007. So in other words, great start, but those two years didn't even end up with UAA titles. This thing is far from over. You haven't even made the turn in the conference uh, play yet, as you pointed out. How tough is it going to still be the rest of the way? Yeah, you know, uh, unfortunately, our first two games back from break were canceled. So we went to Brandeis not having played a game in a month. And I tried to implore on our team how tough UA play is. And I I don't think they realized it until they got to Brandeis and played Brandeis. You know, we were we were down three going into the fourth yeah. and kind of just, you know, put our foot on the gas. So you're right. You know, UA play is pretty brutal. Um, I think, you know, I look at the Massey ratings every once in a while. We we right now have six of our eight teams in the top 75. Um, and, and so going on the road in those environments, um, the travel and all of that is pretty brutal. Um, and also just the physicality of the league, the, the size is very different from what we experience in non-conference play. So um, I think the biggest factor for us has been the depth of our roster. Our practices are really mimicking UA play kind of day in and day out. So when we're, when we're getting to the real test, you know, we're, we're well prepared with, you know, what our second team, what our scout team, what those players are bringing to practice every day. It's interesting because I look at your roster. You got nine players who are juniors, seniors, or graduate students, but in reality, you've got three players who have a wealth of of UAA experience. Even that junior class, for lack of a better description, has had just one year under their belt of any right. experience in that matter. And then everybody else, of course, has no experience going through the UAA. <laughs> so you're leaning on, hey, three players who can tell who can go hey coach is right by the way you know this is going to be tough even if it doesn't look so on paper that's got to be a yeah. little bit of a of a steep learning curve yeah you know our seniors we have we have two really great senior captains they were they were trying to almost you know sell the rivalry between Washu and NYU to the players who have no concept of you know how hard it is to win there you know we hadn't won at Chicago i think since like 2016 maybe uh, up until yesterday so you're right we have we're starting three we're just calling everybody rookies we're starting three rookies um you know and i think there's a few of our of our rookies that are yet have yet to really explode onto the scene that are kind of quietly getting better um but you know it's it's every moment is a teachable moment every every uaa game you know how to travel on the road and you know how to be mature about that all of that has been a, a, a pretty steep learning curve but um you know our our players are are very mature and very selfless i think that's what's reflected right now in our record and they really don't care who's scoring you know they're having a lot of fun together um they they like i said before they they take great shots i think because they've worn teams down um, so, you know, some of, some of those numbers I think are reflective of just how hard we play, you know, every game for 40 minutes. And again, I mentioned the three seniors, but it's really underclassmen who are kind of leading your way. You have a freshman 
who not only leads the, the UAA in steals, at least going into the weekend at three plus, but she's also leading the team in scoring at 13 and a half points in Bella Pelicia. Um, I hope I said that right name. You, Bella. you butchered that a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I thought I could pull it off. Uh, go ahead and correct me. Bell Pelecchia. Bell. It's Pelecchia. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. the second one I've I've had to say in the last week. That's B-E-L-L-E. And I've always thought it was Bella, but it makes Okay. Just take the E off. Uh, Bellachia? Pelecchia? Pelecchia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I butchered that. Let's see. I didn't butcher it a little bit, coach. I butchered that. Yeah, anyway, well, she's a freshman. I got a couple of years to know her name, uh, but she's leading the team in scoring. Again, pretty high up there in assists. She's number one in, in the, on the team in assists and pretty high up in the conference. The fact that you've got a freshman in that position is pretty incredible considering undefeated with some senior leadership, et cetera. That's a big impact. You know, uh, first of all, I'd like to give credit to virtual recruiting. Uh, <laughs> you weren't the only one who said that. You know, yeah. <laughs> Where was Zoom um, all your life, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, she has been a surprise to me. Uh, I would love to say that it's coaching. It's it's just not. It's she's she's. I, I was at Division One for a long time. Mm-hmm. She's she's up there in the top five athletes that I've ever coached. Wow. Just. Yeah, just has a motor, um, you know, probably the biggest impact, you know, as you mentioned with steals is just her defensive capabilities. So her scoring really isn't as much like, you know, putting the ball in her hand in a pressure situation. It's kind of happening, you know, from her defense and, um, you know, she's a tough out. She just, she has a motor like I've, you know, almost never seen. Um, and so she, she's doing a lot of this just with kind of heart and hustle and, and kind of the old school way. Um so she has a lot of growth left. Uh, I think her her outside game is slowly developing. That'll really help her. Um, but you're right. You know, we like I said, we we have three players in our starting lineup who who had never worn an NYU uniform before this year. So, you know, it's I think the team chemistry continuing to improve is really going to help us make that next push the second time around in UAA when you know everybody scouted you. They know how to coach you know coach a little bit differently against you the second time around and you know, hopefully we're able to improve enough to sustain everybody's second effort. To your point about her outside shooting, of the 125 shots she's taken, only 12 have come from beyond the arc. That also gets to the point that, you know, getting points off steals. Uh, in the meantime, Jenny Walker, second on the team at 13 points a game as a junior, hasn't taken a single shot from outside the arc. And then you get to Erica Miller, who leads the conference in three-point shooting. So it's interesting. you got two players. Really, three-point shot is not part of their game at least as of now. And then you've got the counter of that with Erica Miller, whose three-point shot is her game and is basically another weapon that you've got there. So you got all, I mean, you got inside, you got transitional, you got three-point shooting. That's a dangerous trio. And we haven't even talked about more than just those three. Yeah. You know, they, you're right. Um, Erica's one is a fantastic shooter. She really stretches defense you know, she opens it up for Jenny Walker, Bell opens it up for Erica. So, you know, they're all kind of helping each other, you know, and, and when we get in the middle of games, we kind of see what's working. We'll just kind of go to the hot hand and, you know, ride that out for a little bit. So they're really complimentary of each other. We, you know, Brooklyn Shelton, who we haven't talked about is, is our, is, is our sixth man. She wasn't on our trip this past weekend. Um, we, we missed her and we had a senior step in and uh, Bianca Notriani and, and play incredible minutes to help us get two wins on the road. So, you know, as you, as you mentioned, we're kind of doing this by committee. We're not one of those programs that 
says, okay, Jenny, we really need you to score 30 and have 20 rebounds tonight. Um, and, and that has been a real pleasure to coach this year because we're not, we're not relying on one person to hopefully have a great night. It's really, you know, any one of our six could have a, a great night and, or we could have very average nights from, you know, five or six people sure. and still look like it's a solid win. Well, and to your point, there's three more players we haven't even talked about. Uh, Brooklyn Shelton's played in 12 of the 14 games. She's scoring 9.3 points a game. Jordan Janowski, uh, 9.1 points a game. And Natalie Bruns at 8.9 points a game. So you've got three there who easily could be in double figures with a couple of good nights. Mm -hmm. Um, And while there's a drop-off after that in terms of scoring, there isn't a drop-off in terms of minutes, and there isn't a drop-off in terms of games played. You are playing deep. As you've mentioned, you've kind of had to in some cases, but you also have depth kind of spell different places here and there. And that's going to be beneficial, not only on a UAA weekend, obviously, but that's beneficial. Should you still be playing in March? For sure. You know, we, um, I've never had to make so many adjustments as a coach. We had 12 new faces on October 15th that I had never coached in practice. And we, we thought we knew what we would do. And then, you know, a couple games in, we changed it a couple games in as, as players Mm -hmm. develop, we change it again. You know, Natalie Bruns, as you mentioned, averaging, I guess you said nine points a game. She had 17 last night on the road at Chicago. So, you know, as they continue to get better, we're, we are able to play more players and, you know, able to just do different things. Um, Cause it's been a, it's been a learning curve for our staff. Like, Oh, we're good at that. We didn't know we were going to be good at that or, Oh, we thought we'd be good at this, but we're not. So, you know, we've tried to just, you know, get better every practice and kind of just take it one game at a time with, with what our game plan is and what we're trying to do. You're outscoring your opponents by 28 a game. It's 83 to 55, roughly. You're out rebounding or you're out shooting your opponents uh, by significant margin. You're shooting 47%. They're shooting 32%. Three-point shooting is a significant margin as well. And then again, get to rebounding and you're out rebounding your opponents by 13. I'll I'll be honest. What aren't you doing right? (laughs) Well, you know, UAA play is a whole different monster. Um, You know, so I think, you know, some of those numbers are a little bit favorable to non-conference, but also... Um, you know, our non-conference was not, uh, the scores were uh, uneven, but like Vassar's a very good team. You yeah. know, I, I told their coach after the game, I'm like, you're the best 0-5 team I've ever seen. They had at that point played like Springfield, Tufts, Williams, uh, you know, so they didn't have any. And since then they've gone like 10 and 1. Yeah, yeah they've gone, Smith. they've gone, yeah, they've gone 10 and 1 since they played us. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think our competitiveness early on really helped us win those games. And that is what we need to sustain to, to get through the gauntlet of the rest of the UAA Um, because all of the teams in the UAA, I mean, most of us did not have any type of a season last year. So, you know, even Carnegie Mellon lost early and they're, they're a very, very tough team, you know, wash similarly lost early and, and they're a a really great team as well. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of games that we played still in UAA, and that will definitely help us should we get an opportunity for the NCAA tournament, sure. you know, just going through how tough the league is day in and day out. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, you talked about earlier the games lost. Uh, you were supposed to play at Baruch, and you were supposed to play Mount St. Mary. Games that are relatively close. Uh, they're not out of the realm of, of distance-wise, but are you going to be able to make those games up? One of them was on the road. One of them was at, was at home and we'll talk about that in a second but are you gonna be able to make those up can you find another opponent or is the uaa schedule just too brutal that even a tuesday game 
ahead of maybe home games or out of home games is just not going to be realistic. Yeah, that's Dave. That's a difficulty. You know, we, we practiced at 8 a.m. Thursday, caught a flight uh, to St. Louis, you know, played, traveled uh, Saturday to Chicago, played Chicago, got back at midnight last night. Uh, tonight is today is our off day. Also the first day of classes for spring semester. <laughs> so a Tuesday game, it's like, you're just kind of like throwing it up. Like, let's see what, you know? Yeah. So, um, but we, we may look for that last week because Brandeis is a single game yep. um, to squeeze something in Tuesday or Wednesday, but most, even the opponents that we lost, most opponents are focused also on conference play and trying to get their makeup conference games in. So right now we really haven't had any takers, but if anyone's out there that, is interested in in a last week of the season game. We certainly would love to pick one more up. Uh, I've brokered other games. You never know. Maybe we'll come up with something <laughs> for you. Um, okay. The other point, and I said it at the beginning, obviously Cole Center gone bye-bye. Um, mm-hmm. You guys, I think, have played at Hunter for the most part since then, if memory serves, not counting this year. Mm-hmm. But this year, um, oh, by the way, let's see. I'm, I want to get it right. I had it here a moment ago, and now I seem to have misplaced it. You have played at three different locations. Here it is, Hunter. Uh, the Brooklyn Athletic Facility, which is part of NYU, and the St. Francis College, which you're at now, all because of COVID rules and other stipulations. So forgive me, my contacts are driving me nuts here. Um, how difficult is it? Not only we talk about scheduling, you got to figure out if a facility is available, but you're changing facilities. You may be practicing at different locations. It was tough enough when they left Cole Center. I know you weren't there for that necessarily, but you eventually had to take that on. Now it's a whole nother level. And oh, by the way, you you might get to move into a new place sometime in the future. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> right. I mean, that, uh, that's got to be a challenge all unto itself. Yeah, you know, um, it's made us, every game is a road game. We never practice at St. Francis, yeah. Brooklyn. Uh, we tipped off against Case. They were playing there for the first time. So were we. So (laughs) in some ways, I think it's almost uh, muted, you know, the whole road game uh, feeling for our players in a a really great way, because we just we're always on the road. We you know, we don't even shoot in the gym. We don't practice at St. Francis, Brooklyn. Um, Our games in the Brooklyn Athletic Center were really nice because it was the first time since I'd been here that we actually played in the gym that we practice at. Uh, So. Um, that gym just wasn't sustainable for UAA competitions with the size of it. Um, so we we moved over to Brooklyn, which is very close to that facility. So, right. you know, the only, I guess, the rhythm of the day is similar in that we take the same subway to, <laughs> we get off the same subway stop to go to uh, St. It's Francis. a different Brooklyn. walk from there. Yeah, different walk off the stop. Um, but, you know, I do think it's given us a bit of resiliency for road games and just kind of you know, that no excuse mentality. It, we're never going to say it's the balls, it's the rims, it's a gym. It's like, we're just, we're just used to this by now. Um, none of our players in our program have ever had a home gym yeah. that includes the, you know, the graduating class before us. So hopefully next year will be the first year that, you know, we can finally have a new Coles and a new home and, you know, ha- have a little bit more of that, you know, student body experience, but we've relied heavily on our parents on, you know, the, the like diehard NYU alums and and fans to sort of support us through this whole move. Uh, you kind of hit the next question I was going to ask was part and parcel. You're still recruiting with players who've never played at a home gym. Yeah. Um, and it looks like Cole, whatever it's called, I'm assuming I'm going to call it Cole. Who knows? will open in, in the near future. They've already started moving into the offices. That's a great sign, but you never know things that can get delayed. So you kind of answered those, so I appreciate that. But my next question would be regarding you as an alum. You were on some 
darn good NYU programs made Elite Eight runs when you were a player. And NYU certainly has a rich history. When you took over, I know you probably wanted to return to that. You're starting to see signs. How important is it to be back in the national conversation, top 10, and now take the next logical step, and that is make these NCAA runs and, and kind of bring NYU back to that conversation? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great question. That's the vision that I really had and why I came back here. I knew that, you know, this place is sort of built the UAA in general, um, New York University, the academic programs we have, the, the students that we attract to want a New York City experience kind of in a, in a supportive environment and not just moving to the city for the first time at 25. Um, we, you know, we, we have a national brand and we've been, been able to recruit to that and, Players have bought in without a gym. So, you know, I'm hopeful it makes the recruiting a little bit easier. But um, to be fair, the pandemic sort of as terrible as it's been, you know, nobody was really doing on-campus visits and, and things like that. So we, you know, we were able, like Bell Pilecki, Jordan Janowski, those players, um, a lot of those players were Jersey players. They had been to our campus. Um, so it was a much, you know, easier sell than trying to pitch somebody in Northern California you know, this, this vision of New York City during COVID time. So, um, you know, uh, we'll be happy to turn the corner on COVID and, and also equally turn the corner into a new facility um, to finally have something to showcase. But in terms of the national scene, you know, I just, I believe in this experience because I've done it. I've sort of walked in the shoes of, of these players. And so I knew it could be replicated from my experience. And um, my goal for these guys is to exceed, you know, anything that I was able to accomplish. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep working towards that. But the university itself attracts, you know, top 25 character people, top 25 academic people. So we're just trying to, you know, hold up our end on the athletic side of things. Sure. And certainly a rich history in athletics across the board, you know, in mm -hmm. a lot of sports. Hey, Meg, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Looking forward to seeing what you guys can do the rest of the way. As always, you give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, I, Dave, I appreciate your support of, you know, D3 Hoops and, um, you know, even just bringing our name into the national conversation. And I think I saw on Twitter talking about the, the D3, uh, whatever that conference was. So I'll throw out there that I would love to see, you know, an expansion of the tournament. I would love to see a day in between. So I want, I want both things. I don't want an either or. So I'll continue to try to work towards that. <laughs> yeah. The, the day between I think is coming. We, it would have been nice if D1 could have given us some more money to make that happen, but that's, that's another whole can of worms that I, that are going to be opened at some point, but yeah, that'll be yeah. a postseason segment. <laughs> yeah. That's going to have to, I think we might have to dedicate an hour to the marathon. Yeah. Now Sounds that you bring good. that one up one, I hadn't wanted to wade into not, not that I didn't want to, cause I, I agree with you. I'd like to see the week, the, the game split up, but it's a, it's a venture. Uh, again, thanks so much. Hey, keep Bernstein yeah. in line for me, if you don't mind. We really appreciate that. Uh, good friend, but we're, we're just, <laughs> we, we can't check on him as much as we used to. It's hard to do, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, fair point. Hey, take care. Thanks for the time thanks, again. Dave. Rest your voice. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Meg Barber joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. By the way, real quick, NYU Violets, if you're wondering, um, have worn the purple shaded uniforms in competition for over a hundred years. So it was kind of obvious why they're named the, the violets. Uh, Webster named uh, the Gorlocks um, 
The proper noun is a combination of two main streets, Gore and Lockwood Avenues, which intersect at the center of Webster Groves, the St. Louis suburb the university calls home. So Gorelock. Webster's a Gorelock because it combines Gore and Lockwood Avenues. That is a Gordon man awesome, just for the record. I love that fact. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump into men's basketball. We will talk to uh, Salve Regina. Why are we talking to Salve Regina? Why aren't we talking about Salve Regina? They're having a breakout season. We'll talk more about that with them when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Coming to you from the NABC studios on this midday show. A reminder, we'll be midday on Thursday coming up as well. Midday next Monday as well. We'll have the Marathon, at least planned, the following Thursday. Then another afternoon show on February 7th. We're figuring out what we're going to do with the February 10th show. It'll probably be pre-taped as I need to be in Houston, Texas that day. I think we get back to normal on Valentine's Day. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. See if any more games have been moved around that have caused my schedule to go chaotic. This was not the schedule when we put it together. We did not have, we had one conflict, absolutely one conflict when we decided to go to Monday shows. And then it all fell apart. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Switching gears, talking men's basketball. Let's walk, looking around the regions as we cover region 9, 10 on these particular evenings or day shows on Mondays. And I thought, well, we got to find somebody, you know, we talk new Mac and NESCAC a lot, but I like talking about other conferences. And as I was diving around, I also noticed there was a team I hadn't picked up on before. The interesting thing is they're not even the team who has gotten attention necessarily out of the CCC. If you look at the CCC standings, Nichols has certainly gotten playing attention Endicott in the past. So is Suffolk. Salve Regina is 12 and 4. They are 7 and 2 in conference play. And they haven't, I mean, let's be honest with Salve Regina, they were 12 and 14 the last time they took to the floor for a full season of basketball. 
not a knock, just significant of what's going on at Salve Regina. So to talk about it and try and figure out what's going on with the program, we welcome in the head coach of Salve Regina. Sean Foster joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Coach, thanks for joining us on the show. Congratulations on what is out, absolutely an outstanding season. Uh, we'll get into all of that, but you got to be just on the face of it, thrilled. Yeah, thanks, David. Ha happy to be here and uh, talking about Salve Regina and in, in the Commonwealth Coast Conference. So um, it definitely had a, a solid start for our program and hoping to continue it through the second half of the league season. You, here's what jumped out of me. Your 12 and four start. Two of those losses came at the start of the season against Eastern Nazarene and then Brown, which by the way, wasn't a bad game. 89, 59 against Brown. You've lost two since one to Nichols in conference play and one to Western new England in conference play. Um, but you've gotten a whole mess of wins, including against Endicott and Suffolk who had kind of been stealing some of the attention. You've, you've beaten Babson. You've beaten Coast Guard college. Connecticut College has lost to you guys by 15. You even got New England College in overtime. You you have some really interesting and quality results on this overall schedule. Yes, certainly been a grind. Uh, none of it's been easy. Um, <laughs> but it, I think the uh, the thing with us is just the old coaching adage, get old and stay old. That's what we're all trying to do. Um, we've been very fortunate uh, to bring a lot of guys back who are significant contributors um, two years ago when, when we stopped playing last year. Well, that's, here's the thing that jumps out at me. We go back to the 1920 season, not the year, 2019, 2020 season. You were 12 and 14, the year before nine and 16. You were below 500 basically as a program back until 2013, 2014, when you guys were 17 and 11. And that was kind of on the back end of four terrific years by Salve Regina standards. Um, what what's you you said you brought guys back and that's that's one thing but you brought back guys from a 12 and 14 season so what's the difference in this campaign yeah i think they've developed you know a, a lot of the guys um you know we we played a lot of minutes our, our upperclassmen played a lot of minutes right when they came in because we were struggling a little bit and they've got that experience and and certainly took their lumps um and then have, have gotten better and and improved um and you know, last year was almost like a red shirt year for, for everybody where we practiced a little yeah. bit, but we didn't play. Um, and then just to have the two, you know, fifth year graduate students who were all conference players, uh, you know, providing great leadership with us. And we have three in our senior class. So five out of the top eight are, are upperclassmen and, you know, with our rotation. So I think just the experience that they've had is, has been tremendous. And that's the key is, you know, we talked to some teams who, and we just got done talking to Meg Barber, talking about how the vast majority of her team hadn't taken to the floor before. Um, and certainly she had never coached. It's helpful when you've coached these guys already. And in some ways it's helpful that maybe players got a, a year off to kind of lick their wounds as it were, kind of rest up bodies that are getting older and, and whatnot, but then also understand the system a little bit better. It can, almost like a perfect storm for you. Right. You, you know, certainly not ideal to not have competition. We would oh, have loved to have played a, yeah. a little bit, um, but they did, you know, it's a year, the weight room is a big part of what we do here, a year stronger, a year smarter. 
Um, you know, I've been here a while, so we're running the same system. So, you know, those guys are almost, they're like teachers and, and to have them in the locker room teaching our younger guys who we, we had a very talented uh, freshman class come in. Um, Declan Wamsley, who's the son of the Wheaton coach, Brian Wamsley and um, James Jolly from Taft uh, have been great for us. And then uh, Clay Brochu, who's a sophomore, but really was with us last year as a freshman in practice every day and improving, learning the system and, and that, you know, to merge those two um, has been great to see. And it's a, you know, our, our upperclassmen have done a great job in, in leadership. You also seem to be bringing in students from um, a wide area for lack of a better description or, or a diverse group is what I should say. Um, mm-hmm. I see Don Brasco preparatory school, which is obviously known as a, as a pretty good bi- basketball location, but you're also coming in from New York and Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut. You're also coming in from England. You got two players from England on this squad. You have players who went to regular high school. You have players who went to prep schools, whether it was PG year or for a, a certain chunk of that PG ex- or that uh, prep school experience. So it feels like to me, at least looking at the roster, you've got a wide amount of options and a, a lot of different kind of styles coming together. That's interesting to me because that doesn't always work. Right. Right. Definitely. And, and, you know, I think it's a, a credit number one to the school. I mean, we we're in a beautiful location. We're right on the cliffs of the Atlantic ocean on the water. I think when you come here, people love it. Um, and it's allowed us to, to be a little more diverse geographically with our recruiting. I mean, certainly we don't, don't have major budgets as, as some of the bigger schools do and everything. So anywhere we can get guys, you know, we'll, we'll get them, you know, whatever state or country or anything else, we'll, We'll try to uh, pursue no stone unturned. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm biased to number 22 um, out of Dobbs Ferry, New York. He's a forward, six seven. Ryan McHugh, no relation that I'm aware of, but I'm biased. Uh, I think he's your best player, clearly. Um, more minutes for him. Yeah, absolutely. He needs more minutes. I see he's only played in two games. I think you're making a mistake. Just personal opinion. Uh, speaking of the team, though, Mikey Spencer is leading the way as a senior at 19.6 points a game. He's one of four guys in double figures. Uh, Cameron Collins, a graduate, um, he's at 18, point, 18 points a game. Uh, Clay Brochu? Yes. Oh, I nailed it. Uh, sophomore, <laughs> uh, 11 and a half points a game. Kevin Kelly, who's a graduate, played in only 12 games. He's at 10 and a half. And then I don't want to forget a freshman in, in Declan Walmsley, who you mentioned, eight and a half points a game. So near... The um, double digits there. By the way, Spencer Collins also six and a half, almost seven rebounds a game per. So you've got offensively what looks like a lot of options. Yes, yeah, certainly, and we we'd like to um, you know be spread the ball out and have a lot of guys contribute. I mean that's that'd be ideally the way. We certainly have those two seniors who you know get a lot of attention. So it, the second time around in conference, I think that's going to even happen more. So some of those other guys need to step up and and, uh, you know, make some shots when they're doubled and tripled as they have been. Well, that might be the only other thing. Peasley uh, getting six points a game, and then it's a, it's a significant drop-off, and there aren't a lot of options, at least on the stat sheet, that jump right. out at anybody. So it is that core group, it seems, without the others. But as you say, as a season goes on, you get more experience, you start leaning on other guys, because you're certainly playing other players. But RSU, do you feel you have no choice, that you're going to have to get more players involved? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at, at some point, some of those uh, younger guys are, are going to have to 
play some minutes and they have, you know, we, we've certainly not the only team to deal with this, but everybody's had their issues with the virus and with injuries and everything else. We started the semester uh, missing a few guys and some of our older guys that first week and had a couple games, you know, rescheduled. Luckily we've been able to make them up, but even in that, that time period, just more practice reps, more game reps, you know, guys get a little bit more comfortable and uh, certainly the freshmen uh, and you know, Clay, who's a sophomore, but it's really his first year. I mean, those guys, now that they've been through half a season, you know, you hope that by the end of the year, they're really more like sophomores than freshmen. To your point, um, you'll play Wentworth two of the next three games, all in a span of a, less than a week, uh, the 25th and then the 31st with University of New England sandwich in between on the road first and then at home against Wentworth. Uh, you still have Nichols and Suffolk ahead of you, which are both road games. And then you'll finish three of the last four at home. Uh, with the final game of the season being on the road against Gordon, obviously a lot still to play for in this triple C, but this is a little bit more of a triple uh, of a heavier top side of the CCC. I mean, Nichols certainly gotten attention before and Endicott's had good seasons, but Suffolk is having a good season. You guys are having a good season. Roger Williams is nine and five overall six and three in conference play. It's a little bit more difficult at the top. What's changed? Is it strictly that everybody was able to hold on to really good talent over the COVID break and are kind of rising to the top now? I, I think it's probably a number of factors. I mean, certainly you had mentioned some of the teams that have been really successful in Endicott and Nichols in the last few years in our conference. I know they graduated um, some major pieces from their rosters and, and some of the other schools have, have been able to, to retain some. Um, Nichols reloaded, you know, pretty quickly and, and are, are strong. But like you said, everybody in our conference, there's, there's so many at the top with two losses, with three losses. I mean, that it's going to be really interesting down the stretch. I think there's great parity. And um, I heard Todd McGinnis say the other day on your show about, you know, the different styles that that conference plays in. I feel that way with our, our conference a little bit, you know, certainly everybody's into scoring and pushing pace and everything like that. But the, when you really break down systems and offenses and defenses, the, the great thing about college basketball is everybody plays different. So, you know, the tough thing about that is you, you play these three game weeks, uh, you know, like Todd was saying, you have one day to prepare it's, uh, you know, what we're not flying everywhere like they are, but it is a challenge to get ready with your scouts and, you know, get these guys ready. So I, I think, it, you know, just down the stretch here, it's going to be really interesting in our conference. A lot of very solid teams. Yeah, hard to shake off the memory of one that you scouted for and then start remembering the second um, to get ready for. Interesting enough, listen, Nichols has played well in postseason. Endicott has played well in postseason, certainly carried the flag of the Commonwealth Coast Conference. So in my mind, anybody who comes out of the conference needs to be watched, but it feels like you guys are still buried under the NESCAC and the NUMAC. Is is that a bone of contention, or is that something you guys almost take pride in? Go ahead, sleep on us. Here we come. Yeah, I mean, I think you, ha you have to be that way. You know, we're, I have a lot of confidence in our group, and I know the other coaches in our conference have, have a lot of confidence in their groups. I think you can see that through the, some of the scheduling. I mean, we play Brown, we play Babs, and we play Con. Like anyone, anywhere, anytime. You know, I mean that's the that's the deal. So, um, you know, I think our conference can certainly play with with those conferences. I know they have such great consistency over the years and um, have done so well in NCAA tournaments and and other things. So they deserve the reputation that they have. Um, but I, I think you know whoever comes out of our conference could definitely make some noise in March. What is it about your team as a whole that? We can't appreciate watching a game online. That what is it that that's working? Whether it's we can't see it, is it coming out of practice? It's coming off the bench. It's on the floor. We can't hear it, whatever it is. 
what is it that's making the magic happen that we can't see on on the on the game? Uh, maybe the experience part of it. I mean, we, we've had several situations this year where we've been down 18, 15. Um, there's no panic button. You know, these guys have been through it, whether they haven't had great success or not. Um, we have had some and they they are a very confident group. They have high expectations um, and they don't quit. I mean, we, we play every possession right through 40 minutes. And, uh, you know, the other night with Suffolk, we were down nine with 247 to go and came back and won that game. So um, I think that's maybe something that that would be hard to see unless you were here. You're in your 20th season, if memory has it right. You're a 97 grad of Salve Regina. What does it mean not only to be at your program at the head of the of the program for 20 years, but more importantly, to now kind of have a season like this and to, to break out, as it were, with the Seahawks? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a lot of pride in my alma mater. I mean, to be able to coach at the place you went to school, I know, you know, very few of us get to do that. and It's a special thing. And then to be able to stay here and have some longevity – um, you know, I, I'm very blessed uh, that way. And, um, you know, the loyalty that Salve shown to me and, you know, I, you want to do the best job for the university and for the school and for the players and, um, keep it going. You know, I mean, we've certainly had a good start, but we, we have a long way to go and like to get the program, you know, back up near the top of the conference and, and then stay there, you know, and, and not be up and down. You know, we've been up and down the last few years, like you mentioned. So, um, just looking for consistency. I notice you're a native of Foxborough. I'm assuming it's good that you have uh, basketball to keep you distracted when normally you'd be distracted by something else of late. Oh, there's no question. I my, grew up about a mile from the stadium. The head scout of the Patriots was my neighbor. So I, I had season tickets in the 80s, but you couldn't give away a seat then. You know, no. they, they were 2-14 and 14 every year. And um, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough ending to the year, certainly. But um you know, watched with interest yesterday, but no, uh, no rooting interest. <laughs> I hear that. Hey, as a Bears fan, I understand all about the '80s. It was just, just a different perspective. Uh, not to rub that <laughs> in to at get all. That one in. <laughs> didn't, didn't want to rub that in at all, Coach. Yeah, forty-six to ten was on my wall somewhere growing Something up. Something about so that. I, <laughs> yeah, I moved to Maine a year after that. Trust me, it was an interesting experience. Hey, uh, Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Uh, Great to get the perspective of of a different team, as it were, in the CCC. Hadn't had you on, and I appreciate you finding the time to to join us. Congratulations. Uh, It's a tremendous year. Uh, Hopefully it continues to move forward in the right direction. Uh, As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for having me and for everything you do for Division III basketball and um, certainly getting, uh, getting the conference, some attention here, the, the Commonwealth coast conference is, is great. There are great coaches, great people, um, throughout every sport. So, um, very fortunate to, to be here and, and thanks for having me. Well, thank you again. Congratulations. Look forward to seeing how it plays out down the road and take care. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Sean Foster, head coach of Salve Regina. Again, great season. They're on under, uh, undertaking. 12 and 4 overall, 7 and 2 in the conference, technically puts them in first place in the CCC ahead of Nichols Endicott. Suffolk and Roger Williams, all of them 6-3 or better. I mean, Suffolk and Roger Roger Williams are 6-3 in conference. Nichols and Endicott are 6 and 2. Salve Regina 7 and 2. Conference worth watching. Absolutely worth watching. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to a team that is in the top 25, but maybe they don't feel they're getting enough respect. Number 16-ranked Maryville Scots men's basketball coach Raul Placeris joins us. He also has the distinct honor of, of being a first in something on this show. 
You're listening to Hoop Soul presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoop Soul when we come back. But first, we should point out the National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 members coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, log on to nabc.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville. You got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville. And the audio likes to go crazy again. There it goes. Back to normal, I think. Maybe. Ah. Mm. Eh. Ah. I don't know. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming for you from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA. And, of course, um, also um, Blue Frame Technology. Oh, talk about them in a bit. I totally forgot about them. But maybe you're watching on the big screen. Thanks for doing that. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us. We're certainly trying to keep track of you. Um, some of the spammers have hit our YouTube page, where we're YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. We're deleting those. But if you've got a question, you can ask it there as well. Lots of ways, like I said, to interact. Um, all right, so the next team is in the top 25. But in my conversations with their head coach, I would argue he doesn't think they're high enough. He probably feels they deserve a better placement. I mean, I don't know if he wants to be number one team in the country, but he certainly thinks they're better than they are. Ranked. We'll see where they move up in the latest top 25. And don't forget, coming up, Ryan Scott and Mike Raniak will join us to kind of break down top 25 hybrid. We don't know what the new one looks like. But this team thinks they got it all. And I mean that genuinely. They really do think they're good, and I think they're pretty good. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline, it's the head coach of the Maryville Scots. It's Raul Placeris, who I believe, Raul, you were telling me this at the uh, the D3 Hoops Classic, you may be the first Puerto Rican on our show. If not, it's been a long time. So welcome in, sure. Man, that, that's offensive. I'm the first Cuban now. Cuban, Cuban. right. No, you're Not right. Puerto I knew Rican I screwed now. that up. You know, our Cuban people, they'll kill you for that. You no, I knew I'd screw that now. up, too. That's the sad part. 
I knew I was going to screw that up. Cuban. Um, yeah, I'll just go back and edit this live show. <laughs> Sir, um, welcome in. How are you doing? Good, brother. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. Um, I, I enjoy our chats off the air, but it was about time to get you on air. You really don't think you guys are getting enough respect, do you? Um, man, I honestly, to be honest with you, and uh, this is probably coaches talk here. I, you know, we're just focused on the next game. Um, you know, it, it's humbling to, to hear you guys and have us in the conversation. It really is. You know, I, you know, I, I'm a big, I'm a D3 hoops junkie. So, um, you know, I listen to everything. I hear everything. You can, you can always get information from, from different publications on how teams are doing. So I'm very aware of what's going on in the D3 world, but um, yeah, I think no doubt in my mind, I think we're playing like a top 25 team. Now where you have us, I think that's um, relative to taste and style. Um, but I think we have a little bit of everything when it comes to that. I think we have, uh, you know, very athletic pigs, um, very good guards. I think we play defense very well. Um, you know, I think we're today, I think we may be either one or two in the country in three point percentage defense. Um you know, we're averaging 80 plus a game, you know, allowing less than 70 a game. That's typically a good formula. Um, we shoot 45, 46, 37 and 71 from the line. We're all rebounding teams in our league by seven um, plus seven, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I feel like we, we have the, the makings of, of hopefully continuing to have a type of season that we're having right now. Just for the record, all in all, that was called a duck. You ducked. <laughs> hard <laughs> hey i don't want to get mad I, i've heard some of these things uh what's that guy's name up in yeshiva that poppers guy i like where he has us he has us like in the bottom of the top 25 not much pressure not a target on our back oh bob had us i think at number nine today you know he he's trying to make my life really really hard so um yeah man we're, we're just humbled by, by 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 the attention we're getting and um you know um it's great for recruiting it's great for for our college and um, you know, just giving us um, the momentum that we need going forward. You know, we have a new president, obviously, from your institution where you graduated from, from Goucher and um, Dr. Coker. And we have a new AD and Sarah Kotraki here. And, um, and there's great momentum here on our campus. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, this, this definitely helps um, continuing that momentum. Um, I have you 11th on the latest Top 25 poll that has not come out yet. I've got you number 11. It's about where I've had fair. you for a while now. You moved up a little bit. Uh, you moved up after the D3Hoops.com Classic, and you moved up a little bit after that. I got to see you at the Classic. I thought you were the best team there, and that included Marietta. Um, what What is it about an event like the Classic that is beneficial for you guys? Well, I thought it was time that we we kind of reached out and, and did something at a national level. Sure. Um, you know, when, when I called Brett with, with uh, Sports Tours, I, you know, I'm not this type of coach who – Hey, let me get a really tough game and let me get a, a, a hopefully a win type uh, coach. You know, give me whoever you can give me and we'll play whoever at whatever time. And um, fortunately, you know, uh, this year, you see, you know, Santa Cruz couldn't make it. And we ended up playing Chicago, which hopefully helps our non-conference strength of schedule. Uh, I know how important that is. You know, I played at this level and, you know, when I played, we, we got to host during those times. They used to give a buys. In the NCAA tournament, we got a first-round bye because we were the number one team in the South, and we ended up playing Randolph-Macon, ironically, um, who's having a fantastic year this year. In the second round, we beat um, Coach Rhodes, who's now at VCU, to, to go on to the Sweet 16 up at Wooster. Um, and, uh, you know, we know how important it is to, to schedule a non-conference schedule 
that's difficult. Um, you know how hard it is being from the South? You know, I don't have the luxury that a lot of these Northeast, Midwest teams have. And I only have two Division threes in my state, in Rhodes and Sewanee. Um, they both play in the same league, the SAA. Well, we were undefeated against the SAA, right? We were 3-0 and against them. Oglethorpe is leading that SAA. Well, we beat Oglethorpe. So, um, you know, we, we lost to an Emory team that everybody believes is a top 15 team in the country. Um, we learned a lot from that game. We were up 18 to 2, 20 to 4, something in that range. And um, it was the best thing that could have happened to us early in the year to, to learn from those mistakes and learning how to close out games. And we're still working on that. But, um, you know, we've played, you know, uh, we played two teams in the old deck, um, beat a Hamden Sydney team, beat a Ferrum team. Um, so we're 2 and 0 against the old deck. Um, and the, the, the thing is that, you know, and I think eye test is really important too for the committee, uh, even at our level. Um, it's, I didn't schedule those games at home. I scheduled those games on the road. Um, and, and that's, that's really important in the eyes of the committee when, when they're looking at um, possible at large if you don't win the conference tournament. You also have two games against Johnson University, an NAIA team, not in tournaments, so they were scheduled. I know it's tough to get schedules, but that's two games that are that you can't really utilize. I, I, and I know it's coming off of COVID, so some of this is a little bit uh, different than years past. Yeah, and we scheduled and we scheduled Johnson because they had just won a national championship the year before. Sure. So that's why I, I was I asking. Wanted, so we're, what yeah. were the dynamics with that? With that, yeah. It, it, you know, they're a local school. They're, they're they're 25, 30 minutes down the road. We don't get those. You know, if you know our league, the USA South, you, yeah. you have to travel a bunch. And to be able as a coach to schedule, you know, a relatively close game for our fans and our community, um, you know, uh, with a peer institution that, that's local, I think that also helps. And, and I just, you know, um, they had just won a national championship and they had their basically their entire team coming back, um, regardless of the, of the level that they play. They won it all. And I wanted our guys to see they were supposed to have that first game, their national championship celebration. And, and we, and, you know, we, like any other team that, that's aspiring to be as good as they want to be. Um, I wanted our players to visually see that. And, and that's why we scheduled them to start the year. And um, that, that's why we went that route. Um, and uh, but we've tried, man, we, we've tried our best. You know, you've done this a very long time. You do your best to schedule non-conference games that you hope teams have good years. Sometimes that's 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 the chance you take. Um, but but we've tried. You know, we also beat a Pacific Lutheran team that's in first place in the, in the NWC. So, you know, we've stretched ourselves. For, a, for an institution that's in the South um, as much as we possibly could with the means that we have as an institution um, to play the, the toughest non-conference schedule that we can. Interesting. You beat Johnson in both those games. You also lost two games. You had a game against Mary Baldwin and a game against Greensboro scheduled for the beginning of January. Are you hoping to make those games up despite your USA schedule or? No, you yeah. know, with everything that went on with COVID, you know, when we got back from Vegas, you know, I think we had a little bit of a, of a pause and, uh, it's just really tough right now to, to, to find the time to schedule those games. Um, and, and, you know, we have to finish our, our conference schedule um, right now. And that's the most important thing. And so, you know, um, I, I speak with all honesty, we will not be making those games up. No, I don't understand. Uh, you've got an interesting squad. Uh, you are a mix of different, I feel like different strengths all in one. You've got guys who are quick, uh, really aggressive defensively, um, can get into passing lanes and offense, you can lose them easy. You also got guys who are more methodical, it feels like, who are going to be very deliberate in their shooting and very deliberate in what they do. And it comes together in a really fascinating way, at least what I saw in Vegas. Um, is that a, is, am I seeing it right or am I seeing it oddly? 
Yeah, you know, I'd like to speak on some of those guys. This gives me a great uh, opportunity to speak about our players. You know, I feel like we have a great dynamic at, at the guard position. Um, my point guard has been with me for five years. Um, he's won three conference championships. Um, arguably him and Miles Raznick last year would have been co-MVPs of our league, would have done an MVP for the conference. Um, and that's a great luxury to have at the point guard position. His backup, Daryl Rice, who, whose shoes you like, he had those glowing blue shoes on the floor. Um, he's a pit bull defensively, and he's learning a lot from JR. Uh, you know, I have exceptional wings and Miles Raznick, which I know you were a big fan of at, in Vegas, who was a Division One transfer. Chase Ridenauer was a Division One transfer. Um, he had a big game last night. He had 22 at, at LaGrange on the road. And, you know, I got a young man in Jacoby Coleman who's top five in the country in three-point percentage, shooting close to 50% from the field. And, you know, and, and I can talk about, you know, Daniel Jackson, Caleb Powell, who has a very promising future as a freshman. Um, and, you know, and then my bigs, you know, Nicholas Clifton, you know, had eight, uh, 19 points and 18 rebounds on Wednesday. And then last night, Felix Uadiale, who I know you love his last name, um, <laughs> Man, he's as good as as they are uh, in the country. I really do. I, I feel that. I believe that. Uh, he had 18 points last night and 17 rebounds. Um, you know, I got two really solid bigs. And then off the bench, um, you know, I, I got, you know, our, our, our toughness guy, you know, Cordell K, who has been uh, Mr. Everything for us, takes charges. You know, the unique thing about him, this is why it's important. That's why we win a lot of games. The guy has over 70 charges taken mm -hmm. in his career. OK, uh, you need guys like that to be able to win games. And, um, you know, and I, and I can continue, you know how it is. This is tough. You want to be able to highlight as many players as you can in your program. I just feel our depth is our strength. Um, and, and, and I think as the season goes on, if, if, if we can continue to get good bench play and our starters do what they do, it's um, we give our, ourselves a chance to, to win a lot of games. Yeah. Rasnick leads away 15.7 points a game two and a half assists a game, five rebounds a game, two steals per game. Uh, at Diale, I, which I finally realized, you just say every single letter that's in his last name and you nail it. Um, he's got 12 and a half points a game, 8.8 .8 rebounds a game. Interesting enough, not a lot of blocks, but he doesn't have to. Uh, Ridenauer, as you mentioned, 11 points a game. Sanders is a senior, 10 points a game, essentially. He's at 9.7. 4.4 uh, assists per game. An assisted turnover ratio of two and a half to one. Uh, Coleman, as you mentioned, nine points a game. Another guy who's basically in double figures. And Coleman's got uh, uh, an assist and a half per game. And Clifton, as you pointed out, he doesn't put a ton of points up, but 7.8 points, 7.9 rebounds. That's a solid contribution. And that's just that group. You know, there's certainly a lot of guys you play. You you go deep off your bench. You, you don't come in waves necessarily, but you're willing to go to that depth. That depth is key for you guys, especially in U USA South play, right? Absolutely. I think, and, that, and that's been a trademark of our program. You know, we, we've been historically, we've been to 20 NCAA tournaments. This is not like, you know, right. we've had just a little bit of success here recently. You know, Coach Lambert, who's a legend in the D3 level, person I played for, worked with for a long time. Um, that, that's always been kind of our, our formula. Uh, we like to be two to three deep. Um, and, and, and as the season goes on, um, that's the, the tough part of the transition from high school to college is the amount of games and the travel, right? It, the travel is what really gets to you. And then the academic rigors um, of our institution. I think we have an institution that, that really pushes these young men here. Um, and, and, and it just, you know, it's part of, I think the deeper you are, um, it gives you a better chance to, to, to make deep runs in a season, have a successful year. And obviously, in the NCAA tournament, um, and, you know, and I've had the luxury of, of going to eight, you know, four as a player and four a, as a coach now. And, 
Um, you know, I think I know a little bit of what it, it may take to, to, to make a run and, and depth is, is definitely one of them. You're 14 and one, 12 and one in the eyes of, of the division in terms of regional rankings and all of that. How important is it to finish the USA South strong, not really take too many hits. So as you can, as you talked about earlier, can best position yourself if possible to be hosting in that opening weekend. You know, it's, you know how it is, you know, at the, the NCAA diet is all going to be based on where, who makes it and how they can um, put you up in those quads from a, from a location standpoint. Um, but we you're just not have to in focus. a bad location. You're in, no, you're in an no. advantageous one. Well, we have the airport is eight minutes away from campus. Um, so it, it's a great If we were spot. flying people. Yeah. If we were flying, right. <laughs> We've added a hundred miles now. So it, it makes true. it even more yeah. difficult. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good location, um, to bring teams here. Um, you know, and that's another thing that, that I'll say about the South region. You know, I know at times we don't get the love, um, as we should, I put up our top four teams right now against anyone in the country. And we're talking about Randolph Macon, Christopher Newport, us and Emory. You're you're welcome now having Christopher Newport in there. You're welcome. (laughs) I mean, they weren't a South team before, but you're all okay. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, and I'm leaving behind, you know, I'm leaving out Lynchburg and Roanoke um, and Oglethorpe who's leading the SAA. You know, I think these are all very quality teams that play tough schedules, especially being in the old deck. Um, but yeah, I I feel like we just, you know, again, cliche ish right here, right. Take a game at a time, but that's the truth. We we can't get ahead of ourselves. We got a tough game here Thursday against a covenant team will beat Emory. Um, at home. Um, you know, I know in the eyes of some of the voters and people around the country, Emory is a really good team and there's certainly so. Uh, Coach Zimmerman does a heck of a job. Um, and, and for the last decade, they've been really, really good. Um, but, you know, we got to take it a game at a time um, and, and see what happens. But yeah, we, we hope not to take too many, too many stumbles here um, so we can, you know, give us ourselves a really good shot in the event that we don't um, compete for a conference championship. And, and in this league, um, you know, anything is possible. Um, there's a lot of athleticism in this league and, and there's some really good coaches. So, um, you know, anything is, is possible in the USA South. On your side of things, you guys are head and shoulders, relatively speaking, uh, uh, over everybody else. Covenants eight and five, three and one in conference play. LaGrange seven and nine, two and one, who you just beat. On the other side, North Carolina, Wesleyan's having a great season at 12 and four, four and one in conference play. Every, every, Averett seven and eight, four and one, but you don't really see that side. It's more about your side of things and positioning yourself for the tournament. So with the Covenant, LaGrange's, Piedmont's, Brevard's, uh, Berea, and Huntington's, how how tough will it be the rest of the way? Well, we, we have a target on our back. We have a target on our back regardless if, if we had the ranking or not. You know, um, when we were in the old GSAC, we won 9 of 12 conference championships when we were in the in the Great South Conference, um, athletic conference. And now since we've been in this new conference, USA South, we've won more regular season and conference tournament championships than anyone since we've joined in 2012. So to, to me, we're always going to have a target on our back. It's everybody's biggest game. Um, but I embrace that. You know, we've talked our word all year um, has been it's been pursuit, right? Pursuit of bigger and better things than we did the year before. The last year with COVID and everything that went on, our word was unselfish. You had to be, te- you know, you had to be unselfish to to manage everything that COVID was throwing your way and, and to make things happen. So, you know, um, it's not pressure, man. Um, I think high expectations is a privilege. And, you know, we, we have really taken on, we've taken on that. Um, and I challenged our guys. I was so ticked off at them and they know it um, against Berea on Wednesday. We, 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 we didn't start off the way we typically start off. It was a tie game at the half. And, 
you know, I challenged them to be great and, and they were pretty darn good in the second half, but our mindset, right? I, I think, you know, the message this week, last, this past week against LaGrange was success leaves clues, right? And are we paying attention? And, and, and we got to sharpen up um, in every detail of the game. If I got, we got to get better at something is we've had humongous leads against teams and we're talking 18 to 22 and for some reason or another we've relaxed a little bit and we'll end up winning by 7 to 12 right and i think when you when, if we have ambitions of making a conference championship game in our league uh, a, na- a national tournament appearance you can't do that uh, once you have those big leads you got to hold on to them because there's some pretty darn good teams um, if you make it that far um, in your season uh, to clarify something from earlier in the show, you're Cuban, not Puerto Rican, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Parents, okay. parents. Uh, I had parents a source Martin. who told me you were Puerto Rican. I don't know. No, that, that, they were probably trying to be funny. Um, but um, uh, I think it was, yeah, you. man, my parents migrated here in 1980. I'm a son of Cuban immigrant parents. Wow. Really proud to say that. And uh, first person in my family to graduate from college and, wow. uh, you know, blessed to, uh, you know, um, I guess a trailblazer in my family. And, you know, it's led to other cousins and nephews and, and others to, to go <laughs> on to college and see the importance of, of education. Sure. And, um, and just, just um, thrilled to be here, man. It's a, it's a great thing to, to work at, a, at the institution that you graduated from. And, um, you know, there's, we take great pride, myself and my assistant, we we're both teammates um, when we played here. So we take great pride in our program um, and what we do. Oh, Thank you so much for that. Uh, as much as it was a, a botch on my part at the beginning, it's great to get a little story, though, behind it. Uh, and that's awesome. Hey, thanks for the time. Looking forward to seeing what you guys can do down the rest of the way. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Man, just appreciate um, our community for continuing to support us. Appreciate you and what you guys do for D3 sports and, and basketball in general. Uh, for the guys who take the time to vote, um, it's great for us coaches. It helps with recruiting. It helps with the with the look of the institution. And um, yeah, man, I, just just appreciative of the moment um, and blessed to have the job that I have. And and, and at the end, uh, you know, the, the two people that are the most important part, you know, in my life is my wife and my daughter. Um, their their support is really important to be a coach's wife and and to be you know a daughter of a coach. You know, they sacrifice a lot for you. And, and, you know, and I'm eternally thankful for them and what they do for me. So, you know, I, I'm blessed to do what I love to do, man. There's no better thing to do in life to, than to do what, what, what you do. So, um, man, the Scots will continue to play hard and, and hopefully we, we can continue to march on and, and continue to play good basketball here in the stretch run. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's state it's statement type of, of, of week now. Right. We're in we're in that now. You got to be really, really strong in these next the next two to three weeks if you want to really have a really special year, but so far so good, man, 14 and one, four and zero in the league, you know, you'll take it. Yeah. No fair point. Thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of the run. And we'll talk to you soon. You got it, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. He's Raul Palacios joining us uh, from Maryville again there, as he said, 14 and one overall They're uh, four and one in conference play. They got covenant coming up on the 27th, Piedmont on the 29th, Huntington on the fifth, and then Brevard on the eighth. So, Big games coming up for them in conference play. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll do our top 25 double take. There isn't a top 25 out. That's new. But we'll kind of maybe forecast it a little bit. Uh, Ryan Scott will join us. We'll get a new face on board. Mike Raniak will join us. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Hey. 
NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person, competing at a Division III level. created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Oh, there's that audio problem. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're learning new every day. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsle or hashtag Hoopsle. Email us, Hoopsle at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsle, where we're si live simulcasting the show. And if you've got questions, we'll try and find them in there. Uh, we're also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, YouTube.com slash um, Hoopsville as well. Lots of ways to interact with us. Now time for the top 25 uh, double take. We had gotten into the habit of doing this after the poll had been released on a Monday evening. But of course, the schedule likes to confound everything and screw it all up. And as a result, uh, we can't do it before the poll's out, though it's, it's pretty much put together. We're just waiting for a couple of ballots, I suspect. But we're going to try and uh, give you our dubious, our deep dive, and our debatable selections. Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And for the first time, Mike Raniak, former head coach at New Paltz, assistant coach at Vassar, head of the uh, YD3 team, or whatever you want to call it, at the TBT. We are. Yeah, we are D3. We are D3. It's all right. I, I keep, it starts with a W, so my brain goes YD3. And yeah, I just, <laughs> and you went Penn State with it, with we are, but whatever. 
Um, I had to copy somebody. There you go. I actually took down our YD3 jersey. I just realized that was bad timing. Uh, we got to yeah. get them all up on the board eventually. But uh, So Mike Grant joins us. He's in our top 25 as well. He's usually one of the earliest ones to, to, to display his ballot on a voting day. Uh, guys, thanks for taking the time. Um, Mike, we'll, we'll start with you since you're the guest. We'll let you choose whether you want to do dubious or deep dive first and then uh, mm. drop your knowledge on which one you want to go with. Just realize that Ryan then goes to the next topic. So it's, it's a little strange. I'm going to go with I – like, I like deep dive. Okay. I like deep dive. I'm, I'm going to go there. Um, I, I think for – Who you got? I, I've, watched this, yeah, I've watched this team for a while. I'm going to go with UMass Dartmouth. I like it. We haven't really, had a chance to talk about their big weekend. I mean, they – I had them on the radar early. I think I voted for them, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, and then – they dropped maybe one or two um, because of, um, you know, injuries and whatnot. But they have some pretty big wins, like especially this this past week. Like they beat Wesleyan. I was watching that game, you know, online. And they're really solid. The kid Azor, um, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but he's he's a he's a monster. And, and like really against their league, it will start to continue to shake out. But, like, they played Tufts early on back when they had Rodgers, and I think that might have been the game where Tufts, like, player Rodgers got injured. But, yeah. I mean, it was not even close. It, and and I know Tufts was probably dealing with the injury, but, like, they lost EastCon. Um, I think they lost maybe Brandeis, but Brandeis is pretty solid, you know. So, and I think now that they're full strength, they're they're pretty – they're pretty uh, – uh, uh, solid. I mean, they're averaging like 86 points a game. Like, I mean, they're, they're get up and down, they run. And I think in the little East conference, I was talking about this with my uh, former head coach, uh, Dave Hickson at Amherst. So he's watching like probably this right now. He's probably watching like another nine games, you know, on, on his stereo. But um, he's uh, he said that him and I were talking early on that he thinks that maybe they might be the best in new England. And I, and I tend to, you know, potentially agree as we start to kind of see maybe the NESCAC shake out and things on those lines. But I, I'm going to open that up to you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to open that up to you. I'll let, I'll let Ryan go next, but they've been on my, almost on my top 25 more times than I can count, but go ahead, Ryan. I, I watched most of that game with Wesleyan. Um, I was really impressed when Wesleyan kind of gave them a counter punch that they, they didn't flinch and they, they pushed right back. Uh, like you said, uh, Azor is phenomenal. Um, they look like one of those teams that can make a good tourney run because they've got this scorer who is just going to be hard to stop. He's going to get his shots and his points wherever. Plus, though, when he's not on the floor, they can really maintain. They've got a lot of good players. They've got a lot of good scoring options. The one thing for me, and I'm still not voting for them yet, I want to see the defense a little bit more. They can score with anybody, but... You know, if you're really getting into that top 25, you also need to be able to stop some teams. And I'm I'm not quite convinced yet that the defense is is where it should be. If if I, I try not to pick a deep uh, these things too much because you guys will usually take what I want. But if I were picking one, that would have been mine. Because again, the win over Wesleyan certainly turned heads. I've had them on my radar for several weeks, just couldn't get them into what is a clogged bottom half of the of the ballot. Well. Just a, a clogged ballot in general. 
Um, I do like what they're doing. And I think what we- the game with Wesley improved was some of those other results weren't flukes. And I don't mean that negatively. I just mean, sometimes you look at a result and go, okay, what does that really mean? Okay. I need another game or two to really see if, if that's actual or just happenstance with that one game. And I think the Wesleyan game showed it's not happenstance. Um, I think grind's got a point the defense. Certainly you're going to want big, but I mean, some teams have been successful without having to worry too much about shutting teams down necessarily. So um, I I'm impressed if, and if Hickson thinks he, they're the best in new England, that says something. Uh, I don't think he's I, watching I, all games on a stereo. Like you said, I think you meant. Computer. No, Maybe, maybe, maybe a VHS tape. He's got like a collection of them. Um, but I think, you know, also you, UMass Dartmouth, this is a team where they're benefiting, you know, if, if you can benefit from a COVID year, they're more seasoned. Now, some yeah. of their players yeah. came back yeah. um, bigger, stronger. Um, they benefited from that year. You know, like, and, and Brian Baptiste is a phenomenal, well-seasoned coach in New England. You know, future New England. Uh, I think he's in the New England Hall of Fame. You know, he's one of the best that that we have. I think he's so, the. I think he's the winningest active coach in D three right now. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, interesting. That's, that's a good pull. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ryan likes to pull that kind of stuff. No, that's <laughs> it's a good pro, and it's you know to the our guest earlier, Salve Regina, having a great season, a little bit seasoned because COVID allowed mm-hmm. some players to come back. So, uh, a valid uh, point, certainly. Uh, Ryan, who is your deep dive? Well, you know, I hate picking teams that are getting votes, but I think there's only one or two voters voting for them right now. I think we need to put a little bit of attention down on Letourneau, um, down in Texas. Yeah, Mike, I think you're one of the ones voting for them. Um, I haven't watched them play yet, so I can't speak a ton of what they've got going on. But this schedule, they've lost two games. They were both overtime games right before Christmas on the road, Mary Harden, Baylor, Concordia. You know, it's one of those things that those road trips in the ASC are crazy. I looked it up today. They just played at Sol Ross, their, their conference game out there. If this were the NCAA tournament game, they would have been able to fly to that. one. It's over 600 mile drive uh, across the state of Texas there. Um, but they've just been putting up solid results the whole way. There haven't been a ton of close games. Um, they're handling this, this ASC schedule. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a really solid team down there that we need to be paying attention to. I like it. Uh, you're voting for him. Go ahead, Mike, give your, your two cents. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think like, so when I'm, when I'm kind of watching the games and, and things on those lines, I'm kind of, you know, I, I go into my, my coach, coach mode. Um, but I mean, Letourneau has a history of winning. They've had a history of winning with, with when, when they had uh, Nate West and so on and so forth. So they've been in the arena before. Um, their pace of play is phenomenal. Like, I mean, they're averaging – I think I, they actually were one of my deep dives potentially. Like, I mean, they're almost averaging 90 points a game. The trouble is, is they're also giving up, like, close to 80 as well. So it's a track meet when – when you're going with them, um, I think a lot of teams can't hang with that. And I think the law, the attrition over a game, that's where they get you. Like, I think this week they might've beat in um, Dallas by like two points or something like that, the comments. Um, but that sort of pace of play, if that's you, then you own it and they do own it. And I think like some of the, they're a different flavor than a lot of the teams that I'm voting for. 
and I think they are going to um, – the, the trouble is, is like the back-to-back losses at Christmas, you know, that stinks. Um, but, you know, as a college coach, I, I did not look forward to those first couple games coming back from Christmas. My, my kids, I was always worried about them eating too many cannolis, all that types of stuff, and then all of a sudden you're here just playing a game and you're going up against a team – you're playing a style that's track meet style. Um, so I, I think that they're going to make a deep run. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can tighten up the defense where they can expand the gap. Like we talked about defense earlier about making a run. Um, it's going to be interesting. I like the way they play. Um, I, I'm always a fan of that up and down style. It's just, you know, the, the, the schedule, it's, it's tough to get a really good gauge um, on kind of where they are at and how good they are or if they're, um, you know, just kind of outside of the top 25. I appreciate it. Good idea. I I won't take too much time because I want to keep it moving, especially for Ryan. My deep dive would be Barry, 13-2. and I think they're a team that uh, getting slept on a little bit. Uh, One loss is to Oglethorpe. That's not a bad loss. One loss to Carthage after they beat Wheaton, but I think we've mentioned them before. I kind of like Barry as a deep dive time. I'm, I'm as of last week, I was one, two, three, four, five of their 11 votes. So there you go. Um, all right. So dubious. Ryan, go ahead. So it's, again, it's one of these that you hate to, to, to point out because it's obviously a really good team. Um, but I'm, I'm a little dubious of where Whitworth is sitting overall in the poll. Um, I've got them kind of hovering between the, the 20 to 30 area. I, I don't always feel comfortable voting for them where they are right now, obviously, you know, long track record, one of the winningest programs over the last decade, they've got some solid players there. Um, just not sure what to make of them. Right. They, they took that trip out early in the season to Platteville and got clobbered. Um, they lost the, the, you know, the at Whitman in the rivalry game. Um, and then just, you know, this weekend, a two point game at George Fox, I know Jordan Lester, who's been really important for them as as a point guard, has not been playing the last few games. Of course, he's got a long injury history, so I hope he's okay and will be able to get back. But uh, it's one of those teams that I just uh, – they don't have what one breakout star. They've got a lot of good scorers, but you, you wonder, are, are they ready to make that bump up? I You know, we have them in the teens on the poll, and I'm, I'm just wondering if that's a little bit of a reputation wave more than what they're actually doing this year. Uh, I, Mike, I'll let you go first. I kind of, I think Ryan's got a point. I, to, to be honest, I have them around 13 and it largely it's, it's because of the reputation wave and, and, and I respect their program very well. Um, you know, coming from kind of what their makeup is and, and you touched about it, Ryan, but they have five players that can, that are averaging double digits. That typically is the makeup of an, awesome team the trouble is is when the game is on the line like maybe it was against Whitman and so on and so forth who of those five is going to be quote-unquote the dude and I think like that's that's where like when when I was with coach Hicks and Amherst not to continue to name drop him uh but we had like he gets enough um we had five players that average double digits but our quote unquote, the, the, the man in the locker room was Andrew Olson, the national player of the year. So we knew that when the game was online, we were going to him. I don't know if Whitworth has that. Um, you know, like you said, that the true litmus test was when 
you play Platteville and you know, I, I think they were like a deer in headlights that game. And I, when, and I think. Yeah. I, and their, their conference competition has not been as good as we expected either. So it's hard to know how to judge those games that they're winning by, you know, 20 against a Pacific Lutheran who we think is pretty good, but, but it's, it's just hard to know exactly. And uh, just it, like I said, it's dubious. I don't, I don't exactly know. I don't want to disparage them. And I certainly hope they do well, but uh, I'm just a little, I think they're a little high. Hey, I've, I've got them 15 last week, 14 this week. I would, t- I'd be lying if I told you I was, I was confident when that, um, I think they're a good team. They're well coached. Um, but they've had some results that certainly had me shaking my head, including a win over Pacific Lutheran, which you pointed out, 97-69. I've seen Pac Lou, and I thought they were darn good. I was surprised by the result. They've got Willamette at home coming up this week, and then they've got a four-game grind in two weekends, Linfield Pacific, Pacific Lutheran, and Puget Sound, all on the road. They've got Whitman out of the way. They're done with them. They won't play them um, again. So we don't have to worry about the rivalry game at the end, but they've got that grind. And I think that's going to be a true good litmus test to just how good this Whitworth team is. Um, Mike, you're uh you're deep uh, dubious team. I apologize. And I I'm, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot with this one, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm voting them eight and St. Joseph's of Connecticut. And, and my right there, I, I know, they're undefeated. They're the only defeat, last defeated team in D3 men's basketball. Only last defeated, right? Um, they beat Tufts, uh, you know, I think when the Rodgers kid was injured. Um, they averaged 90 points a game. But their schedule from here on out, what are we going to see? And I think, like, they're probably going to maybe roll into the tournament with, with uh, maybe undefeated as well. Um, but this is a team that I've watched play, and, and Glenn Miller, they dealt with the coaching change with Calhoun switching over to Miller. And Miller's obviously uh, – Glenn's a great coach. Um, but this is also a team that's playing, you know, really kind of get-to-the-rim style. They only make less than five threes a game. Like, that is a team in, in 2022. Like, you never hear of that anymore. Like the, the metrics and staff people, they're saying you got to take 15, you got to make 15 to win. You know, this is a team that only makes less than five. So if you get, you go up against a team in the NCAA tournament that's really going to grind and, and can defend and just almost, almost, you know, I'm sure, you know, teams have tried this, but zone them up sometimes and switch up defensively. I think it's going to jam them up. Like I, like I said, I'm voting for them because, hey, you're undefeated at this stage of the year. Kudos, respect to you. And I know kind of the, the players you have in your program. But even every week I go to vote for them that high. And I'm like, eh. and I kind of, because I just know that kind of the potential roadblocks ahead. And if they rise to that challenge, you know, tip of the hat, uh, I, I think they have a potential to do. I'm just unsure of kind of what type of team they are until they face a really high quality opponent. We should point out they will play Yeshiva second to last game of the season. That has been added to the schedule for the 17th of, of uh, February between their games, literally sandwiched between their games between Johnson and Wales and Norwich in conference play. Uh, Ryan, your your uh, react? It's the same thing. And this is where we have to remind people that just because a team is ranked at a certain place, it's not necessarily predictive of how they would do in an, in an NCAA tournament. 
right? This is one of those same things we talked about with Yeshiva. They're not going to get challenged in conference, and especially they're not going to get challenged physically in that conference. And so you can totally see coming into a first weekend, maybe they win one game and the second game, they've got a really big team with lots of size. It's used to, to being physical, and maybe they're better than that team, but they're not prepared for that, right? They're not ready for it. They're not used to it. And it's one of those things that just being in the conference they're in is, is going to be a challenge for them to, you know, they've got some great coaching who are, you know, experienced people in there and lots of experience and, and, you know, they're, they're going to be as prepared as they can be, but you, you do have some question about the schedule they're playing and whether that's going to, going to really help them play to their potential. Yeah. Good points. Um, Albertus Magnus has usually been a team in that conference that maybe they could match up with and be a challenge. Albertus Magnus not having the season uh, we've gotten used to from that program, though not bad. They're just eight and three, six and one with a ton of postponements. So they're going to be playing a chunk of games on the back end. Maybe we'll get a better idea uh, of them. Johnson and Wales has been a team that sometimes has been a challenge. Emmanuel looks like they're having a good year this year. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, maybe St. Joe's gets more of a challenge than it looks like, but I agree. I'm, I've got to make, I'm nervous about it to say the least. Uh, but I also think they're a very well coached team and I'm looking forward to getting them on the show here to talk about it in the near future. Um, switching gears, debatable team. By the way, I didn't really have a dubious team. Um, I think we've covered so many of them uh, that I, I, there's not many other places I could go. Um, Ryan, so we'll go with debatable here, sir. You had a good one. Um, we kind of took Ryan, uh, took Mike's out from under him with your dubious with Whitworth, but we had a good debate there. But So who do you think should be debated here? Well, the one I wanted to bring up was Mary Harden-Baylor. Um, that's a, a team I'm still a little skeptical of overall. Uh, I know they're, they're getting voted relatively high. I think you guys are both voting for them. Um, obviously super talented player in Josiah Johnson. Um, you know, a guy who can in defend and score and, and just really one of the most talented players we've got at the division and yet their, their record hasn't been great and they don't have a ton of super high quality opponents on there. And, and I'm just not sure what to make of them. Uh, Michael, do you want to take your first shot at it? Yeah, I'll take first shot. So I'm voting for him around like 17. Now, mind you, perspective-wise, Letourneau I have is 18, which basically means I don't know what to think of him quite quite as much either. Um, like, I think you bring up a point where Josiah is very talented, no doubt about it. And he's averaging like, I don't know, about a billion points a game, 25, 26, whatever it is. Um I think with him and, and their team makeup is they obviously rely heavily on them, on him. If something were to happen, if, if something were to happen and he gets shut down for whatever reason, who's going to step up? And I know they got some players like Prince and, and Feely, but I just don't know kind of, you know, where they are at too. It's kind of like you talked about at the beginning of the show, Dave, that, that I have a log jam at the bottom of my, my rankings. And I just, I'm trying to figure it out along the way. Um, I think that they are very talented, well coached, you know, we, we can kind of go back and forth, you know, on all those kind of coach speak talks, but I mean, I just, I think they're good enough to be ranked at it. And I'm hoping that they prove and prove more so, but I'm still kind of on the fence with them as well. I saw him in Vegas. I, I came in a little skeptical. Um, I didn't leave blown away. Uh, they weren't the best team there. And, and you know, Cliff Carroll knows I, th I think that way. Um, 
Josiah Johnson is very good. He didn't have a great game. When I'm told, he's playing injured. And I think that's what's key for me in realizing that Johnson can have an off game because he's just not 100%. But I don't agree that he's the only one they're relying on because I think with his – I mean, for example, the first game he played, he didn't look great in, but other guys stepped up. And in the second game, he looked great. And he's had other games where he set program records. But I think Ty Prince is a dangerous weapon. I think Luke Feely is one you can't ignore. Carson Hammond uh, averaging not double digits in scoring, but he's a threat for you. you got to keep an eye on him, especially outside the arc at 42%. Nathan Stoltz I was impressed with. There's other guys on that team. So if Johnson's having a bad night, there are other guys who can play well. Now, they got to be ready to play well at a moment's notice, certainly. And I don't think they're world beaters at all. I've got them in the 20 to 25 range. I'd be comfortable like, at some point I got them up near 15, depending on how other things play out and how they're playing. I don't think they're world beaters, but I think they deserve to be top 25. I think they. I don't think they can be appreciated with just how good they can be. The problem is it's a potential right now. It's not an overall. And that's, well, and that's- where I think it's challenging. And that's what I think so many people are seeing that the potential is really yeah. there. And to be fair, they did, they did beat Ozarks the other night. Just uh, Johnson didn't play. They still scored 85. Right. They, they won easily. It's and, and you watch the games and you can, I, I don't know how, I guess I'm, I'm more frustrated. I'm sure Cliff feels the same way. I watch the games and I just go, they could be even better than this. Like oh, absolutely you watch agree the, with you. some of the discipline, some of the, the, you know, they're not, everybody's running hard on every play and, Hopefully he can use some of this if he's watching us talk about it tonight, that that the talent and the potential is there for them to be a top 10 team, I think. But oh. I'm just not sure I've seen them play that way yet. And I've had them that high under that uh, that thought. And I haven't seen them play that well. I think the potential is they could absolutely be dynamite. They just haven't been able to totally come together. And we could talk about whether that's injuries, whether that's COVID, whether that's other yeah. things in, in play. You know, Cliff Carroll, let's be honest, is still – somewhat of a new coach with that program. So they're still kind of learning his system versus Ken DeWeese's system. Yeah, they had last year, but it wasn't a full year and they're, they're still broken up this year. <laughs> that might be the key here. But again, I think if you understand that Josiah Johnson is likely a little banged up and not a hundred percent, not playing at his best and they are relying on other guys. I think that makes them potentially more dangerous. As you say, it just got to come together. I think they're a top 25 team. If it comes together, they're a dangerous team in the tournament. If they don't, they're going to be one win and then maybe going out in the second round because they can't get it put together 100% for that second game. If they can get in at all, the ASC is going to be competitive. That's absolutely right? true. And there's no guarantee absolutely of a right. pool C bid out absolutely of there. Absolutely agree. You know? and, that's, yeah. and that's going to be hard for all these teams. You've got three or four really good ones that could win that conference, and there's no yeah. guarantee any of the others are going to get in. Well, really, you could go five deep. Laterno, Mary Harden, Baylor, Harden, Simmons, Texas, Dallas, East, East Texas, Baptist. Uh, just that's yeah. that's the standings right now five deep in concordia texas lurking so yeah no you're right asc could be a beast hey ryan i know you got to go any final thoughts um i mean just i'm excited for this poll to come out i'm excited for all the games we're getting you're, we're kind of getting the 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 results of a lot of those postponements now we're having tons of games this week um, and so uh, I'm just excited to see what we've got left. What do, what do we have like a month, five weeks, and five we're, weeks, we're already we'll into the tournament. So yeah, five weeks from today, we'll have a bracket. Uh, Mike, your thoughts quick before we let you go. Yeah. Like, I think you, like you just said, Ryan and Raul said, you know, it's, it's almost like moving week, 
Like, I mean, there's a lot of big, big time games happening this week, especially like you said, because of the postponements, conference play heating up, um, especially, you know, in, in some of the Northeast, um, you know, in the, you know, I'm looking at, I'm going to be watching Elmhurst a lot because I still don't know how to, how to read them. So like, I'm looking forward to watching them play this week and, um, you know, seeing where, where kind of, you know, where we are next Sunday at this time, because I feel like that whole back half of my bracket is going to be completely just basically throwing darts at a wall, seeing what, what sticks. Yeah, fair. No, fair. Hey, Ryan, we know we got to let you go. Mike, I want to ask you a couple quick questions unrelated. We'll talk to you soon, uh, Ryan. See you later. All right, Ryan Scott on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Now Mike Raniac. Mike, I got a chance to talk to you. I might as well take an opportunity of this. We are D3. You guys are expanding a little bit of the thing. Of course, you're the TBT program that features D3 guys. Nothing to knock on you, sir. Just just, just for record, haven't gotten out of the first round. But you, it's not like any of those games have not been on the doorstep of going your way. You're you're almost there, and at least you're not the 16 seed anymore. No, and and we are undefeated through halftime. Yeah, that's so true. Just, that's true. <laughs> if you're betting, if you're betting for us in Vegas, take the first half. There you, you go. A, you make a mortgage payment on us. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Then everybody goes, okay, now we know who they are. Yeah. So like. <laughs> No, like, I think, like, for us, like, when I first started, it was about growing the brands, um, kind of helping our players um, expand their opportunities. And I think, like, players like Eric Demers from Gordon is really taking advantage of that. You know, yeah. he's doing phenomenal in the G League right now. Um, and now, all of a sudden, you know, you got different other Division Three players um, starting to kind of trickle into the G league or higher up. Um, whereas before when I was coaching, you basically had the Bartolomeo and pretty much that was it. Um, you know, uh, where now we're starting to have a lot of other opportunities for division three players to play at that next level, um, which only helps our player pool, um, to kind of, uh, choose from, which makes it even more difficult. Um, what's been really cool for myself and, uh, Coach Matt Droney from Babson is just the expanding of the brand. Um, like this year, we're adding Jason Harris, who I know you've had on the show a couple of times from UMass Boston. Um, I coach with him up at Plymouth State. Uh, so him and I go way back and I'm looking forward to having him join us. Um, we got the website up and running. We're working on a, on a partnership. Um, and, you know, even a way to continue to honor um, Division Three. Uh, on our jerseys, which I'll, I'll talk about kind of later on. I'm kind of working through the logistics of it. Um, but I, I think like as far as the town pool, our, uh, our players are now older um, and we're getting returners. And, and I'm looking forward to kind of where, um, where it takes us. Uh, we are going back to Wichita. So we're going to be out, uh, we're going to be kind of that's our kind of jam out there. Um, and we have like, a, I mean, nowhere near really a D3, but whatever. Nowhere near D D three, you know, but it's essentially located because all of our players are 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 natural, are kind of all over. Yeah, true. So we're just kind of flying in, um, and uh, you know we got a a, a great um, uh, operation staff, uh, kind of assistant coach and David Clark, who we met out there, and he's kind of our contact, working everything, fundraising. So things are moving, and I'm looking forward to kind of where they go and. Thanks for bringing up the 0 and 3. I kind of look at it like coach speak. I look at it at 3 and 0 because you got to find the, the the silver line. But we're going to get there. 
Um, and when we do, it's going to be awesome. Is there any frustration that you get some guys who then go on to other teams in the TBT, or you get some D3 guys who go are, are, are associated with other programs? I mean, it's great that more D3 guys are in it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome to see other D3s. But do you, do you get concerned it waters down your thing or you're losing the talent you'd like to have? In a perfect world, if we had the team that I wanted to have, we would, we would have already won a lot of games. Sure. You know, um, and I do think that, you know, like I understand scheduling conflicts, you know, some players might be able to do it one year, not another year. Um, I do think that there is a, and this is where I'm going to kind of get on my soapbox. I do believe that there is a loyalty to division three and not, not for anything like, We've all kind of what you've done for years, what Ryan's done. We've all supported the division. So I think that's something that you shouldn't shy away from. I think that's something you should embrace it. And I think just because, you know, I I think like that's something where you got to remember your roots and that's just kind of the way I was raised. And I think like that's where, you know, it does, does it hurt? Eh. Um, Just only from a superficial viewpoint, I think. Um, because I know, well, if we had this guy and this guy, it, we could even be better and things like that. But to be honest, the pool that we're dealing with right now, we have an awesome player pool. Like we got three players, Ashton Francis, who who, um, who I think is doing really great stuff coming off the injury, playing in the G League. We got Eric Demers, who's he'll be back with us again, playing in the G League. We got a ton of blossoming players overseas, um, like Adam Fravor from Oshkosh and um, – that is having a phenomenal year um, and Fenton Bradley who played at Westcon, he's having a phenomenal year. So we're starting to get this flywheel really starting to move. So, whereas early on, I would say that those roster decisions from the players, I felt hurt us. I don't think if it's going to happen, I don't think now it's going to affect us too much because we have such a, a broadened pool. Well, I appreciate the perspective. Just wanted to get a quick update on things. Obviously, there's more coming down the road, so we'll talk more down the road on those uh, developments. But uh, congrats on keeping it going, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate all your guys' support. And, and please, put the jersey in the back. I want to see I want to see the jersey in the back. And, and I think, like, uh, you know, it's always uh, it's cool to kind of see. Like, it's almost like right now, like, I'm watching all these games going on, and I'm watching – you know, uh, you know, Josiah Johnson from, you know, Mary Harden Baylor and Terrell from Yeshiva. And, you know, it's, it's almost like kind of like getting back in the recruiting game, being like, oh, look at down the line, you know, look at what we could have here, you know, and it's pretty exciting stuff and it, and it keeps me involved, which is awesome. Well, it was fun. It's fun to see happen and the games have been fun to watch. It may not be going, you know, the right way in those three games in terms of a victory, but you're in the conversation and at least it's not the, oh, look at D3. It's like, no, look at D3. These guys are legit, and that's fun to see. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Good luck. Uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on with another double take at some point, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Take care. Stay warm. I think we're all going to get some snow this weekend. So. Oh, we'll see. Uh, you might. I'm not holding my breath down here. I got a foot. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have that. Take care hey. of yourself, bud. Take care. Bye. Mike Raniak joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And great update there on the wide. Uh, we are D3. I keep calling it the YD3. We are D3 um, TBT program. Uh, great to have him on. Appreciate him time. Um, we got some more guys to get on to the, um, the, the wheel that is the, uh, the double take. 
Uh, women will do on Thursday, assuming we can get some people on board during the day. Uh, and then next Monday, we'll get some new uh, faces as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Final thoughts and a couple of other things along the way. Uh, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to this matinee version of Hoopsville as we wrap things up from the uh, NABC studios, uh, which reminds me to some degree um, about our partnership with the NABC. Um, National Station of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division III coaches, who impact our game for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com. Really want to thank our partners at the NABC for their help. Want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their help as well. Uh, It's still some gremlins to try and work out the exact way we're going to run commercial breaks and all that stuff. But also the fact that my son is not in studio. He's in school um, is why we're back to the old school way of doing it. But we will Progress forward, but Blue Frame Technology and their production truck software, along with their Team One Sports apps in terms of streaming, are outstanding, and we thank them for their partnership. If you decide to stream via Blue Frame Technology or want more information on their production truck software, please make sure to give them a call or email them, and make sure you let them know that you heard about it here on Hoopsville. Uh, also, thanks to our partnership at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. A little bit different this year. We'll hopefully move forward uh, back to the way we've been doing things, but I do want to thank the WBCA for their help. Uh, again, programming updates 
The next few shows will all be midday shows. Next, uh, This coming Thursday will be a 1 o'clock show. Next Monday will be a 1 o'clock show, all Eastern time. The following Thursday, February 3rd, we're planning on the marathon. I got a bunch of good ideas. We're going to send out emails to start as soon as tomorrow on those segments. Uh, then the 7th of February will be another daytime show due to uh, schedule commitments I now have. February 10th, we're going to have to put out a pre-taped show, it looks like, because I'm going to have to travel to Houston. And then um, the following week, the 14th, we believe we'll be back to our normally scheduled 7 o'clock show. Um, and that's it. Um, we're going to wrap things up. A quick note again about the NCAA. Meg uh, Barber brought up something I think is going to be very interesting to watch in Division Three moving forward. Um, Soccer Coaches Association wanted there to be games or days between the semifinals and championship, and it was denied, even though the Coaches Association said they'd pay for it. It was denied for good reason. It was denied because if you're going to do it with soccer, you got to do it for all championships, and Division Three hasn't decided whether to do it for all championships because they got to look at the budget. It was on the on the table to be discussed before COVID. COVID obviously changed that equation. Um, now that we've got a new constitution and the budget is slightly different, a million and a half more, maybe we can do it. I don't know, but we're going to try and talk about that in the coming weeks and months and et cetera, as we watch the convention moving forward. But I do know a topic on the table will be all championships getting a day between, um, rounds, meaning if in men, in men's and women's basketball, if we played Friday, we'd be playing Sunday. If we played Thursday, we'd be playing Saturday in the next round. I don't know how, how that works. We have, Uh, religious institutions to consider in those decisions as well. We'll see how it all plays out. But that's certainly one of those bigger factors that this new NCAA constitution and budget and all that are going to play out. And we'll have more conversations about it ourselves. want to thank our guests, including Tucker, who's back to whimpering because he wants to get out. We'll get him out here shortly because the show's almost done. But I want to thank our guests, Jordan Olofsson from Webster Women's Basketball, Meg Barber from New York University Women's Basketball, Sean Foster from Salve Regina Men's Basketball, and Raul Placeres from Maryville Men's Basketball for coming on the show. Thanks to Ryan Scott and Mike Raniak as well for coming on and doing the double take. Again, we'll be on the air Thursday, 1 o'clock Eastern. We'll talk about the um, odd-numbered regions. Again, that will include regions 3, 5, 7, and then 9, 10 combined. And we'll work on those guests and tweet them out. If you want to know what we're doing on the show, you can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and the hashtag Hoopsville. Instagram's the same information at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the show as well. We certainly appreciate that. And thank you all for uh, taking the time. Hope you're enjoying this either live on demand or the podcast. And if you uh, feel like it, let us know uh, if you got questions for future guests or you have questions of us. Or if you have guest ideas, make sure to email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. And before Tucker loses his mind and wants to get out of the studio, we will sign off. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners also at Blue Frame Technology. You all have a great rest of your day and enjoy the games this week, everybody.